Attention, this is a matter of national security. After a meteorite crashed into the New Jersey Turnpike, the following digital audio transmission from the You Watch I Listen podcast was intercepted by NASA scientists in the year 2019. The You Watch I Listen podcast is about to start. Sit down, listen close, and try not to die. The You Watch I Listen podcast starts now. Home Depot uh, in Kansas had to be evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, take it out, take it out. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Oh, suck it nice and slow. A <laughs> couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. <laughs> Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. Oh, suck it nice. <laughs> what did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, take it out, take it Dude, out. Dude, now I see why people followed Charles Manson. He was very straightforward. Yeah, he had the right idea. Time for the You Watch I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Oh my goodness. Jesus Christ. It is episode 43 of You Watch I Listen, which means we're seven episodes away from episode 50, where the former founder and host of You Watch I Listen will be joining us, Ralph. Um, So yeah, well, um, let's let's start out. Uh, Taylor? How was your week? Uh, actually, a lot better. I mean, even though I worked a lot, uh, I just managed it was, to, it was to get shit done. Early in the nice. week, it was cold, and then it warmed up a little bit, well, speci- so that was, was nice. Spe- especially now that the weather is starting to warm up, so stuff's starting to slow down for me at work, which is nice, and now I have my days back, which yeah, is Yeah, I mean, you're still First, mentally slow, so... Well, that's that, not that, even that, remotely true. No, Josh, elaborate. I, mean, I was also out late last night, so like, yeah, I true. feel great. And, uh, the last jo- two nights, Josh, actually, how was your week? Not great. <laughs> Not great. What was so bad about your week? Uh, you know, a couple of things. I don't know. Everything. Tell me. Uh, okay, so uh, let me tell you that uh, I had tacos four nights this week. <laughs> How's the hypertension so, going? <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm failing to see how your week was shitty. Yeah, you had that, yeah, many, you had that you much You said my tacos. week was bad. I had tacos four days this week. That usually Sounds, indicates an yeah, awesome week. <laughs> yeah, well, no. The tacos were great. The taco butt was not. Oh, uh, taco, taco butt. butt. Ta- taco butt's a problem. Um, my, week, my week was okay. Um, I'll tell you who we had a better week then. I could do this two weeks in a row. Because when we recorded on Sunday, he was still alive. Oh, no. But come Monday, he wasn't. And that was feel, Luke Perry. I do feel kind of bad, though, So, dude. Um, no, that sucks. Um, it's not, yeah, it's having not a better fair, week whatever. than King Kong Bundy as well, who's actually on our screen right now. We have WrestleMania 1 streaming. That's right. He King died Kong too. Bundy died. Yeah. Damn. Um, there's some other people we had a better week than. Um, Alex Trebek. Uh, better week than Alex Trebek. Yeah. Uh, the longtime Jeopardy host diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Damn. But in some circles, we call that the good old Patrick Swayze. Uh, was it, Patrick Swayze was play, doing a prequel to Ghost when he was in Ghost. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like... So, um... He, he, it's kind of crazy with... Swayze tr- lived the gimmick. Yeah, exactly. He, he he was like, he never broke character. He stayed... He he method acted for the rest of his <laughs> life. 
Um, so oh, the thing God. with Trebek that's crazy, and I was talking to a few people about this. He like a champ, too. He, well, his, his, the way he announced it was really cool, but you have to think about like game show hosts in your life for me it's Trebek and Bob Barker like everyone else is secondary it's like Tr- Bob Barker well, uh, Trebek Pat Sajak Pat Sajak a distant third because Wheel yeah. of Fortune was for morons well, anyone that likes Wheel of Fortune well, is I'm, a stupid well, asshole I'm talking about longevity oh no he's, like, he's, he's definitely he's a stable sure. of American television for but sure Bob Barker for The Price is Right is legendary dude if you stayed Other home from shows? school if you stayed home from school as a child what did you watch at 11am every time oh, dude, The Price, Price is Right, right. absolutely and or now, Maury and Steve Wilkos. I watched Steve, all those, yeah, too. Yeah, I did too yeah. My favorite Steve Wilkos episode, I remember this one very well. Um, you got to watch this episode at some point. It's called The Kiss of Death. Mm-hmm. It's about this guy, gay guy, who um, has AIDS, and he is angry that he got AIDS from a black lover at some point. So now what he's doing oh. is trying to have sex with as many black men as he can to give them AIDS Yo. because the guy that gave him AIDS didn't tell him. And then he has a, uh, a black boyfriend as well, and Steve, makes, Steve does his usual thing. He makes the boyfriend come out, and he's like, kiss him on stage. You can't sit down. You gave everyone AIDS. <laughs> uh, that was one of my favorite episodes of of uh, Steve Wilkos ever. That's um, uh, that, so that's we're gonna change something plot. up. We're, let's get our plugs in right away. You're gonna plug Lobo Sound this Am week, I? Taylor. Yeah, you gotta wing it. Go. All right, cool. So from our boys over at Lobo Sound, um, you want to talk about some guys uh, as far as like originality and creativity, as far as when it comes to. You know, uh, coming up with your own type of um, uh, intro song, any type of soundbite, promotion, promotion, any anything at all. These guys are going to bend over backwards. You heard the opening and, song and do what they can for you to really get get your name out there. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of uh, Vince and Dan over at Lobo Sound. They've done so much for us at the show. Centrally. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, you, if, if, <laughs> if the price is right, yeah. Oh, right, so yeah, but. But the Where truth, can you but, find them? Um, you can find them what at lobosound.com. Lobosound.com. Simple as that. And like I said, don't sniff it, just do it. Those guys are amazing, and they're going to go to bat for you every step of the way. And our next one um, is our tour guys at the hashtag Shots for Legs podcast. If you like to relax, crack yourself a beer, use some medical marijuana, or violently abuse hard liquor, you are missing out on your new favorite podcast. From drunken stories, video games, to sports, Fudge and Finn are going to blow your fucking mind hole with the hashtag Shots for Legs podcast. Chances are you may have fast-forwarded through the recent ads on other podcasts or streams you enjoy, but we are not going anywhere. Might as well head to iTunes, YouTube, uh, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, yeah. Stitcher to immediately subscribe and join in on the drunken fun. We promise that if you listen are listening to them while drinking, it is not considered drinking alone. Visit the Shots for Likes doc, visit shotsforlikespodcast.com to choose your favorite listening platform and follow them on all forms of social media. Drink with us and don't be cunts. Um, and I want to give a shout out to a couple other guys, the Robin Slim Show, uh, really funny guys. You can find them on all the same things, iTunes, uh, Facebook, Twitter. They're on um, Spotify, the too. Corner House Chronicles podcast, another one. Uh, The Wilson Report podcast that I'm going to be a guest on this week. Um, And yeah, let's jump into it. we got some really cool stuff today. I am personally very, very excited um, in a little bit. um, Two-time Bram Stoker award-winning author Brian Keene is going to be calling in. Um, And this is a a big fanboy moment for me as he's one of my, like next to Stephen King, my favorite author in the world. I I remember like we were talking about it and you said like, 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 I'm honestly, like you don't do that. No, no, it's where I'm just like, holy shit. And and, and I remember telling you, I'm like, dude, like you should. Yeah, yeah. You should be super stoked on it. I'm definitely pumped. So why don't we jump into our reviews? Josh, you tell us who goes first this week. Quickly. Every time that I pick Taylor, I regret it. So uh, maybe, maybe you'll change that this week. Taylor, right. go okay, ahead. Taylor. All right. So you gave me last action. Last hero. action hero, which I watched twice this week because it's one of my favorites, and uh, okay. I love talking about it. So it was fun. I had, I had a good time. It's fun. It's action. It, 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 I did. Action should be. I, I wasn't expecting too much, but I will say this is like 
uh, Arnold was famous for the imp- for the improvised one-liners. Yeah, the, 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 the corny one, the Duke Nukem one-liners. Dude, like like my all-time favorite one is from Predator when he hits the deal with the Bowie knife. Stick around, dude. The, 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 the opening thing. scene when he's walking to the police station and the cops trying to stop, or the school and the cops trying to stop him. You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. He yeah, kicks him in the dick and launches him. Um, I was like, um, give me your badge. He just throws it over. Yeah, like, just th- it's so cliche. Well, the movie because uh, it, it's, it's a movie within in a movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 over uh, making sensationalism of the action cliches. The, uh, um, I will say the the concept is pretty cool as far as like the kid being in the movie. Yeah. The one thing I will say about it, I had little to no sympathy for the kid. No, the kid stunk. He's the worst part of the movie. I just if they had any other kid. Besides him, it's a much better, it's an even better movie, I'll yeah, say. Yeah, for sure. But, but how good was Tywin Lannister? <laughs> he, he was great. And then I was going to say, too, like, that's, not, and again, one of my favorite Arnold one-liners now. It's like, no sequel for you. Yeah, no sequel for you. And he has so him, many of them. Iced him, con the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the guy has the ice cream cone stuck in his. Dude. But the, the little things, like, when they go into the video store, and yeah. they go up there, and he's trying to point out the Schwarzenegger movies, and it's Terminator 2 with Stallone instead. Yeah, that was pretty cool. When they're walking well, into the police station, and you see, um... From what's it called? Uh, not Cruel Intentions. Uh, Fatal Instinct, with uh, right. where the famous uh, the shot with Sharon Stone's vagina and uh. walks out, and then Terminator Two, the T One Thousand walks out yeah. right as they're walking into the police station. Well, I will say, like I said, I had a lot of fun. I didn't really expect too much from it. It's what you would expect from an Arnold action movie. Absolutely, at this point. it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a cornball. Sure, but yeah, is, yeah. But it is what it's it supposed is. to be, kind of. You also have to accept it for what it is. I, I wasn't expecting fucking no. Mission Impossible. No, of here. course not. You know what I mean? But I will say, uh, Tywin Lannister was great. Arnold's great and everything. But the kid stunk and the mother stunk and the the, the, the the police chief stunk oh the police chief was great he was the typical police chief in like, action movie like, just screaming I to the point where the glass breaks I put subtitles on because I was watching it late last night and it says screams in gibberish and there's smoke coming out of his ears uh-huh, yeah, that, <laughs> like it definitely plays up to it but I will but, say out of all the movies you've given me this is the worst one. Oh yeah it's definitely the worst by every technical point yes it's the worst one but it also might be the most fun I will say like at like I, there hasn't been a movie you give me that I haven't enjoyed. Yeah, but I will say, like, if I if I give it an honest rating, it's a five. I give it a five. Okay, it's I, I think you from a film standpoint, it's a five. From a fun standpoint, it's probably a ten. If you can appreciate good action, it's a seven for uh, me. Not, dude. If, tell me a better action movie that came out in recently that was better than Last Action Hero besides the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I'm straight up action, straight up action movie. Why do you have to take away Mission Impossible? Because it's one of the best movies I, I've ever I'm, seen. Because you brought up Mission Impossible yourself, so it's using your I own love example. It. It. That's what I'm saying, but I love it. But I like, like I said, like, I, listen, I'm not, I, I you know, don't I don't think you like like early. You don't like 80s, 90s action because you're an asshole. No, it's not even that. No, kind of retarded. <laughs> Alex wow, Jones. Alex Jones, dude. <laughs> Thank okay. you. No, but I, like I said, what, what'd I, you say you were, Taylor? I didn't say nothing. I'm kind of retarded. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> okay, that's, that's so, Alex Jones, so, but it's not a bad movie. I, I, I just not what's not my. It's thing. one of those ones that's so easy to put on and just leave it on. When oh, you're it hanging is. Out. It's, it's very much a bad. Which is what movie. like Commando, yeah. Cobra, like those '80s Stallone. Um, yeah. But you also haven't seen a lot of the classic action movies, which I have a big sticking point with because I don't think you can be a good critic of action unless you know the pillars of action. Well, I, I pretty much do. No, you, you know, don't. I, I no, have, you like, don't. What? Okay, tell me. No, I'm going to give it to you this week, so we'll get to well, that. Okay, in a fine. Okay, but yeah, I, I'm going to stick it out of five out of ten. It's a good movie. It's a fun watch, but it's just if I, you're an Arnold fan, you as, should love it. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I wouldn't go out of my way and watch. I, I, I. Uh, I do a lot of like replay value yeah, sure. in, in my rating. You know what I mean? And this to me doesn't have a lot of replay value. Josh, what are your I thoughts on Last Action Hero? For. 
but it's a good movie. You what know, it, uh, I wanted to watch it this week, but I didn't get uh, I didn't get time, and mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since I was maybe fifteen or sixteen years old. You should so. get on it soon. Uh-huh. Put it on again. All right, so it is fun. Taylor, what album did you give me this week? I gave you the Ghost Inside's Dear Youth, and you re- you really like uh, the Ghost Inside, right? Uh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, but we're, you we're really you really like them, right? They're like one of my all time favorite bands. You know, it's it's kind of like a bus accident. <laughs> Stop that. Um, okay, so you really liked them. Uh, this album was their last one before the bus accident, yes, right? before the bus accident. Before the drummer lost his fucking So leg. I'm just going to come out and say this album gets a five out of five. Um, I love this album. Uh, start to finish. It what? Was, it was fantastic. Not expecting no, that. No, uh, yeah, I had to swerve. Yeah, so. You... Uh, I don't even have a. a yes. And no. <laughs> Pineapple Express. <laughs> um, so, Ghost Inside Dear Youths. Uh, opening track right off the bat with Avalanche. The bass line kicks me. The f- opening beat and dun, the, the, dun, the, the dun, pace dun. of it is like a punk song. Uh-huh. The way the bass sounds. And so then it good. just rips. You go into the second track. Move. So, the first two songs I gave a four. No song on this album got lower than a three. Fuck I yeah. had three fives on it. Um, which Did were, you? Yeah, with the wolves. With well, The thing with Will the Wolves that I really liked, yeah. the opening of it is literally Thrice's silhouette in it drop is. D. It is. That's all it is. It's fucking and, awesome. Um, but it's an awesome song. My other five was uh, Wide Eyed, and then the last song, Blank Pages. Blank um, yeah. Five. So this album, every th- I liked everything about it. The difference between this album and something like an August Burns Red, and my, was my biggest sticking point with August Burns Red, is that the progressions were the same in every single song. You knew when the breakdown was coming in every single song. Um, it was always the same shit. Yeah. With The Ghost Inside, that did not happen. Every song was unique. Every song stood out differently. The breaks came in different points. The tempo was different in each song. Uh, these guys had an awesome sound. The screaming sounds a little bit like Silverstein. Yeah. Um, the songs well, that do have the singing in it are fantastic. Well, that's what I was going to say. As far as the screaming, like the, the issue with a lot of people, with a lot of bands that scream, you can't understand what they say. Correct. Jonathan Vigil is very I can understand clear. every single word he says. And that, says. that's the same thing with Shane Told. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's a talent in, within a talent. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And that's why Jonathan Vigil is ahead above the rest. So th- this album, I probably listened to it like 15, 20 times this week. Um, Dude. I, I loved it. And um, Fudge also recommended me listen to another of their albums, which is The Fury and The Fallen, which I didn't listen to that one as many times. I gave it like three or four listens, and I love that one, too. No, it's a very good So this record. is a band I'm really going to dive into myself now, because I well, re- I was shocked at how now, much I love this now, album. Now, see, this just happens to be my favorite. A lot of people who listen to The Ghost Inside will tell you that their uh, Fury and The Fallen ones... Was that their first album? Uh, I think Returners was their first okay, album. Okay, because usually the, the cool thing to do is say that a band's first album is their best one, and some... So, more, well, I will say more often than not, the majority yeah. of the time that is true. Yeah, no, I, I agree for sure. People that like to shit on newer stuff because they might change a little bit, whether it's the the screaming and they lighten up a little bit. I, a band has to change. I don't want to hear the same album every fucking album. It, That's it, weak. It, That's it, weak. You, that, you definitely have to grow uh-huh. as far as like and, and change things up. Also, because a lot of musicians get bored doing the same shit over sure. and over, again, or they love it. Depends or they, on what they it is. change themselves. They're not. How can well, you expect a guy at twenty writes an angry album as a twenty year old to still be angry when he's forty right. and has tens of millions of dollars and a mansion when he was writing that in his fucking mom's basement? It's a right. different viewpoint. No, absolutely different. But I, I was going to ask, what did you give the song Mercy? Uh, Mercy was a four, so that's another one I really like. The songs I gave threes, I like still. Yeah. A three is a good rating. No, no, it's no. Just, I, I was it, just asking because Mercy is my favorite song off no, the record. That, that was a damn good song. Because, just because I love the breakdown. Because yeah. the Ghost Inside is very famous for this thing called a call-out. So there's like a, a one-liner right before the breakdown hits. And the one is it's, from Mercy is, uh, life swinging hard, hard, but I'm swinging harder. harder. Yeah, that's, I Which actually is, knew that song before here from you giving it to me years ago. Yeah. And I love that quote. Dude, it, it's, it's amazing. And the, the Ghost Inside is very quotable. You, you know, it's funny when... 
um, right. one time Vince and, Vince and I, um, Vince from Lobo Sound and I were having a talk, and we were just talking about life, bullshit, and drama, and I said that quote to him, mm-hmm. life swings hard, but I swing harder. You know, he sent me that on yeah. Snapchat, and I was thinking, did you motherfuckers talk about this already? Yeah, no, I, I, just, like, I just said the quote to him, and I was like, it, to me, it didn't even re- relate to the song anymore, because it's like a life quote. Well, it very much is. literally, I say people that all the time, life is literally like you're fucking fighting half the time, and you gotta it tuck is. your chin and roll with the fucking punches Absolutely. and swing harder than what's being thrown and, at you. But, but going back to what I was saying, too, the thing is with this, like, this one happens to be my favorite. A lot of people will consider the record before this one, Get What You Give, to be their best. Okay. So I would say, if, and, and that's not what I'm giving you this week, but that yeah. would be one so, if you want to dig so into that. So your album's a five, your first five-star album. Uh, Fudges is probably a five, too. I just not get to dive into it as deep. It, it was it really good. Is. But I really, really love this the, album, the Ghost and I'm a big fan of this band The now. Ghost Inside do not have a bad record. No, that, and it's cool when a band you could say that but about. But it's also nice because like, it's a very much of a less is more mentality sure. because it's like very straight down the middle metalcore, and that's what makes it great. That's Absolutely. why I love it. All right, let's do this week's picks. Um, I guess I'll give you mine first, yeah, and then we'll please. do yours. Um, so I was talking about how I don't think you've seen the true pillars of action in a lot of cases, and you actually brought this up on the show once, so you didn't see it. I was extremely disappointed in you because it is one of the quintessential action movies, one of the fir- one of the action movies of it, its era that actually put sentimental drama into it that reflected a thing that was happening at the time. And the what movie I'm giving you is the first Rambo movie, First Blood, um, the very first one. Yeah, I haven't where, seen that. Where one. still yeah. um, so you know it's. Everyone relates Rambo now to what it became in the sequels, which is him killing people well, and I foreigners. Because you were telling me like how ridiculous. It oh, gets dude, the in newest the one, movies. the one in two thousand eight. It has the most kills on screen, like per minute. I think uh-huh. there's a scene when he just has a minigun and he is just mowing through uh, these Asians. In, in, and you lost your screen, Josh. And he's just mowing through them, and it's so gratuitously violent and fun. But the first Rambo was about a guy that was a Vietnam vet who he's a Green Beret. And he was just a drifter, and he ended up in a town with uh, um, where Brian Dennehy is the main cop, who is Chris Farley's father and Tommy Boy. Right. Um, and he doesn't want him around because he looks like a hippie, and they start treating Rambo like shit, more or less. And it's very much about how veterans were treated when they came back from Vietnam, because they were called baby killers, they had things thrown at them when they came off the planes and the buses, and how he lashed out at the world. He became such a killing machine that he didn't know how to connect with people anymore, and people didn't know how to connect with him. Right. So, I'm giving you Rambo, first blood uh i would it's one of stallone's best performances um his scene when he has his emotional breakdown is uh some of his best acting he's ever done uh and this was before and i love the other rambos but this one is easily the best one because it's a cool. genuinely good movie i'm in dude I, I any type of action i'm always in for and it's yeah. not it's not for the sake of not wanting to see it it's just a lot of stuff always just because i would no, you'd that. rather watch the league 30 times in a movie that everyone has seen but you dude it's fine dude even Rob the landlord's seen first blood it's fine dude Rafi Rob, kills me yeah every time. i know but you you, you sit there, you'll watch the league, and then watch your fucking movie on your phone. Dude, I have to watch stuff mindless. I have to watch mindless shit sometimes sure, just to get through but, it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, sure. All right, what are you giving me? So for this week, I, I very much like giving you vintage records, but I kind of okay. got. I want to stick away from that because I had a toss up between two, and I just made the decision now. But I'm going to give you one of my favorite albums of all time. It's by a band. I want. I want your favorite record of all time, not album. What? What? Okay. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I didn't understand what the fuck you said. <laughs> Um, I'm usually call them records, so I was surprised when you said album. I very much switch it up. I don't know why, but I, I say record. I know that's why. True. All right, go ahead. Why? Because you're an asshole. Oh, thanks, dude. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to give you uh, one of my favorite bands and probably one of my all-time favorite records of all time. It's uh, uh, The Wonder Years, and the album is The Greatest Generation. Um, I would go out on a limb and say it's a concept play the Wonder record. Years theme while we're going over this, Josh? No. Wait, well, so The Wonder Years, what's it called again? The Greatest Generation. It's very much... It very, uh, the, the Wonder Years are very... 
like they toe they they tote the line between what's a concept record and what's not. Okay. I would say this is because it very much tells a story of like a kid in the kid in the sixties or a kid in the forties and okay. like the greatest generation going off to war. Could you turn that off, please? <laughs> Fuck that. No. Just keep it turned down. I just don't want it playing in the background. And uh, it's one of my all time favorite records. It's pop punk to its core. Yes, but it's I've so- heard the Wonder Years enough yeah. where I have an idea of what right. I'm getting. I've I've heard random songs you played, but like if you listen to like the early. Okay, that's okay. fine. That's fine. Joe Cocker's great. Okay. Uh, but I will say wholeheartedly, it's one of my all-time favorite records. It got me through a lot. Like, between this album, Dear Youth, and then this album I just gave you, The Greatest Generation, these two records really, you know, through a very pivotal time in my life where I went through a lot of bullshit. And then, it's so funny that this song's played in the background. <laughs> but a very pivotal time in my life, and these two records really helped me get through it, and The Greatest Generation is probably... is, is How many times have you seen them live, The Wonder Years? I think I'm getting close to ten times. And like uh, one of uh, such a surreal moment is when I went to go see him play in Philadelphia, which is their hometown. You know, even though say what you want about Philadelphia, if you go to a I show, I have a lot of things I want to say about Philadelphia. If, if you go to Phil- <laughs> if you go to Philadelphia and you go see a band from Philly, they're get a very, cheesesteak first. Yes, you go to Pat's, not Pat's, Gino's. Pat's, one thousand percent. Um, but you very much it, it's a it's an energy at a show I have never experienced before. Going to see the Wonder Years play or going to see Valencia play, sure, anything else like that. So this week's pick is the Wonder Years, the Greatest Generation. Cool. I hope so, you like it. I cool. really do. I, I'm pretty sure I will. Um, so again, um, in just a little bit, we got a. Uh, Brian, Brian Keene mm-hmm. calling in, but I got some stuff we can talk about today. I'm down. Um, now, you and I talked about this, Taylor, but uh, the Joe Rogan podcast this week. Uh, I don't know if you got to catch any of it, Josh, but he had uh, Jack, the CEO of so, Twitter on, uh, the Twitter policy lawyer, the one that decides what are the rules are for who gets suspended, why they get suspended, and uh, Tim Pool, um, who works for Vice, I believe. Yeah. Um, well, I was, I was going to say, first of all, just before we get into that, Joe Rogan has been on fire lately with his guests. Yes. Between the Alex Jones, the David Lee Roth stuff, and then on top of this Twitter stuff. Yeah. So he's really been on fire, but I will say this particular thing, it was so interesting to hear the back and forth. And I will say before we dive into what what we like, what we didn't like, I very much respect these guys for going on a platform like Rogan. This is the wrong one, Josh. This yeah, that, that, is, that's, that's from that's last first, month. Yeah, that's the first one. Um, I very much respect the them for right going there, out Forbes. on a limb on a, on a on a platform like Rogan's podcast sure. and yeah. just oh, having the conversation. Dude, you could never in a million years picture Mark Zuckerberg Ever. or Tim Cook or uh, Bill Gates or any of these tech giants, the same, whoever owns Samsung. Not Tim you'll, Cook. You'll never see any of them going on a podcast like this to explain what the dissent may be in the company, what the problems may be, the criticism, addressing it specifically. Jack handled himself incredibly well on Rogan's podcast, even though I didn't agree with everything he was saying. That's the same thing with and me. Then, by contrast, the lawyer from Twitter sounded like a corporate chill that was just saying typical things. And, you know, th- there's a few big t- takeaways from there. First off, Tim Pool undressed them. Um, he, he did come off as whiny at times, I will yeah. say. He gave out a few too many examples. But his examples all had merit in points well, because you, there isn't an example on the left side of the spectrum that's been suspended from Twitter. So he had multiple examples from the right. Yeah. And well, I was going to say the big thing I liked, I mean, he did address it very much a, bu- a bunch of times where he's like, I'm sorry if I get like emotional stuff, but he was throwing out example here, example here, example here. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, it started to credit, They had actual defense on some specific cases yeah. about this is what happened. This is what happened. They mentioned that, that idiot kid, Jacob Wall, who yeah, right. was openly talked about to the media that he was going to make, fi- he had fake Twitter accounts to influence the election and then wonders why he gets suspended. Well, I was going to say too, it got very confusing and I want to, I want to very much give Joe all the credit in the world for being the perfect model 
moderator between the two because there were times where it got a little out of hand and Joe just reeled them back in, and it was great. And honestly, I, I will say that um, if you didn't think there was some bias on social media against people that are lean conservatively, whether it's moderately conservative or to the extreme conservative right side, if you don't think there's a bias against that, whether intentional or not, and just listen to this, and then you could hear like, oh, it's being run by people that are left-leaning. So, of course, they're going to see. And the truth is that, and this came out in the podcast as well, that the left has a mob mentality. When they when someone does something just or says— podcast, I think we all figured that yeah, out. Yeah. It, it's it, They have this mentality where if someone says something they don't like or does something they don't like or someone is offended, that they gang up. And if 100 people are reporting one tweet, the conservatives don't do that as often. Now, there's mm. some that are—you know, they, they believe, you know, eye for an eye kind of thing, and they try to do it to the left just as much right. but it's it's generally 98% of the time the left is attacking the right for something they said and if Twitter is going to be this platform that wants to encourage healthy tr- talks and free speech they, they, they have to allow this to happen if they don't want government regulation for sure especially if Twitter is becoming and, and Facebook and all these social media platforms are being heavily used in election promotion and whether it's positive or um, coming from other countries or whatever there needs to be on both sides of the spectrum you can't just it's absolutely i mean when you if you sign up for twitter when i made the podcast twitter page the first like 50 accounts they asked me to follow were all left-leaning journalists from cnn from vice from the young turks um uh up rocks uh of, oh, of, uh, vox yeah, yeah right. it's, like like so all, all it's, those like, those are the ones you're saying but you, you have to dig to find ben shapiro you have to dig to find you Steven do Crowder. actually now you say that you do have and, to dig to find and ben shapiro, the, the yeah. thing that i also found amazing that was a great point in there is that they were talking about how the the transgender argument, which I never want to have that discussion on this show because it's such a complicated matter that yeah. none of us are specialized in, and however you feel about it is how you feel. But it is an ideology standpoint. If you're attacking someone that says they're a man but they're a woman, and you're calling them by their male name, whatever, you're probably going to get suspended. But if you say you know that your ideology believes that there's just two genders, that should not ever get anyone suspended. You no. can't. You cannot police ideology. It's just like you can't police religion. But Twitter does that in a lot of cases. I, I, I you will can't, say, you yeah. can't. You can't attack Muslims. Muslims or Jewish people, but you can attack Christians regularly. No, because like th- there's so many instances where, where people will just take things out on certain. Sure. Or, or like what you said, a mob mentality. Like if the left uh, or if the right, if the if a right uh, if a right leaning uh, person tweet something that the left doesn't agree with it's not necessarily one person reports sure. it it's a mob it's, it's a mob mentality well, well, well absolutely the, report the it. Big and thing that's with the thing that the, the whole the whole transgender argument that's been and they talked about this on the show was about um athletes that are in transition or have transition competing in the sport of their new gender and typically men that become women and, and, and they, they crush everyone yeah it's, there's a bi- there, there's a physicality difference and if you point that out you are suddenly transphobic well, and you're going to get suspended on twitter which i think is silly because there's a clear-cut difference in biology between a man sure. and a woman. Sure, and again, so, I, don't, like, I don't want to full-on dive into that conversation, no, but I don't pointing, that, I'm just pointing saying, that out like, is not just attacking someone. It's pointing out a fact. And it's, it's purely making an observation. Absolutely. And, and, to call someone tra- making an observation. and to call someone transphobic for that is just as ignorant as the person that is actually being transphobic. Correct. So it, it's, there, Twitter needs to create a better avenue to have actual healthy discussion. And in those case, there are certain cases where you need to wean out a few people. I mean, I've seen some nasty shit on Twitter. Yeah. Shit. My Twitter, old Twitter account is gone because I did nasty shit on Twitter. It's, it's, yeah, it was bad. I, I got suspended for telling someone to eat cum, and that's not even that bad. That was like me at my PG-13 version. I, yeah, like, in retrospect, 
retrospect compared to what goes on on Twitter. Oh it's, my it's, it's, God. Dude, it's turning into the dark web yeah, almost. Uh, it's I, I really want to see. That dark. I, I, th- I think the you know I mean? the like, idea that um, Rogan had was you know to have like an NC seventeen Twitter, or rated R Twitter, or PG thirteen. What he was saying is like, listen, like different ha- tiers. Ha- ha- have a pissed off button where like you're mad and you're tweeting, but you're pissed off, and it's like, all right, save it to drafts. So let me yeah. look at this later. <laughs> see if I really think about but it. The the biggest the easiest solution here is don't look at shit that you know is gonna piss you off. To have these people are searching well, for things that are gonna piss them off. They type in a word that's something they feel passionate about, and they look for who's tweeting about it, and then attack well, them. Well, let me let me give you a perfect example. It's I think it's actually Josh, right? So I, specifically the last two There's days. There's nothing perfect about that. No, no, no. I'm saying like the, like the last couple of days, f- like the Antonio Brown's been everywhere in the news. <laughs> Every Antonio Brown was everywhere in the yes. news. Finally, get traded yes. last night. Blah blah blah. Uh, Josh puts out a tweet, yeah. and all it says is "officially muted Antonio Brown from my timeline." There you it's go. As simple as Dude, that. I muted almost you... every political name you could think of. Well, every time it comes up, I'm like, "Oh, well, gotta mute this person's name." Mute. Uh, what's the the socialist from New York? Uh, the young one. I oh, forgot. Yeah, that yeah. woman muted her name. Well, I, I muted Trump's you... name year months ago. Well, months I, I, months I'll ago. tell you what I did. I, I the first I muted Roger Stone the second that story came out. Cause I, I, I just like, <laughs> I muted Stone a while ago too. Because it's like listen, when that story came out. I bought a Roger Stone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's not necessarily like I don't care about what's going on. It's just I, oh, I, don't, I, don't, ca- the, I don't care about I, idiots. That I know love about Roger it. Stone. He's hilarious. I don't love people talking about Roger that's, Stone. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's, I don't it's, give a shit. That's the thing. It's because on either side, if they are overly supportive, they're almost as bad as the people that just hate him for no reason. And again, anytime some bil- the only like political person I think I don't have muted is uh, Crenshaw, the guy with one eye, because yeah. he's fucking awesome. He's like, did, he met with Chris Evans the other day. He the, took up, lift up his eye patch and he had the Captain America glass eye. Like it, Benedict and uh, Dude. <laughs> last action hero. Dude, so, that was fucking uh, the, great. The whole uh, again, if you really aren't familiar with like what happens on social media, or you think that it's just, you should just go listen to this on Rogan's podcast from this week and just just dive into it because I again I think Jack handled himself very very well. Both times, I think Rogue, I think uh, Tim Pool was the right person to be there. I, he was maybe could have reeled it back a little bit, but he was very passionate about it, which I appreciated because it was authentic. Oh yeah, but it, it was. Uh, definitely nice to confirm what all of us have known for a long time. Yeah, and, and, and like, the thing that scared me the most was banks shutting people down for their views. Yeah, that is very, very scary. Th- that's, that's 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 very scary. If a thought, bank can just yeah. suddenly say you can't keep money with us anymore because you have weird political views, what the fuck is happening? That that shouldn't matter. And money is money. Money doesn't have a political exactly. view. You know what I mean? Um, I, I definitely but, suggest anyone listening to this podcast. And, it was enjoyable. It was informative. Listen, uh, and, engaging. And, and anyone who does listen, take everything. Not don't take it with a grain of salt but don't like listen to Go what open people are saying Go because open-minded it's as much as it is like i'll listen to it and like like dan said before i heard a lot of stuff i didn't necessarily agree with but it's interesting to hear that side of the spectrum because in order to get the, the right where you got to go yeah. You know what I mean? You got to you got to hear both sides well, of the argument. And I think and a I, lot of kudos for them doing it. They didn't have I to. think I think Jack's point that you know, we're not we're oh, trying God, not to yeah, do that, I'm but sorry. when you when all of your employees are coming out of Silicon Valley and it's a very left-leaning area, what do you expect? Well, and, yeah, well, I mean, what are you going to do? I will say them going out and saying that, like, it's it's almost impossible to police. No, it is impossible, especially when there's this many people on Twitter. This many tweets per hour, not alone, let alone day, I th- per I th- hour. I think the thing that was weird when they said they only have 4,000 employees. Yeah, and you got to think about that. So if every, it's say 4,000 4, employees are responsible for 10,000 tweets each. I wonder how many tweets go out a day. I can only imagine. you like, got to think. There, there's some people that, I mean, I'm like this sometimes where it's just like this, and I'm not even as bad as a lot of people. No, you're not. And it's great. Some people, they'll go out every fucking minute. There's a fucking tweet and all well, fucking day. I, I will say I have like a solid hour a day where like I'm hard on Twitter for like an hour. 
hour a day. You're and then hard I, while on Twitter? No, or no, you like, get hard like, while I, on Twitter. I just fucking like I go hard on Twitter. Do you ever try, to, like, use your, do you ever try, <laughs> do you ever try to use your dick on your phone? No. Because it, it, it works on the touch screen. If you use your helmet, it, it's very it, similar. So. I mean, use your helmet. You use your helmet, and it works. It's a little hard to aim unless you got a real skinny wiener, which <laughs> I no, mine's no, mine's not skinny. It's short. Uh, no, it's I, mine's like as average as it gets. Yeah, underwhelming and unimpressive. Yeah, no, you've whipped it thoughts. Out way too many fucking times. Yeah, someone asked thoughts me last prayers. night. I was asked last night. Um, have you ever touched someone else's dick? And I'm like, that's a joke. I go up and like do one of those. Like, there's a picture of me at um, Ralph and Courtney's wedding where I'm grabbing Growhouse junk, and they were like, when who, you they were that? like, whose dick have you touched the most? I'm like, probably Manfro's. Yeah, definitely. If you could have sex with agree. any of your straight, if any of your male friends, who would it be? I'm like. Manfro probably and they're like yeah Manfro will probably be down and I, I texted Manfro about it he's like yeah we'd just be laughing the whole time like ha, 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 it's a joke yeah it's, it's a, a joke. fucking joke it's a joke <laughs> fucking quiz I guess the turd doesn't fall far from the faggot <laughs> <laughs> oh Philly leotard alright I got some cool stuff from this week um, so Do they're you? gonna be making a new Blade movie did you hear about this? Continuation or a continuation reboot? with Wesley Snipes um, down, and it's going to be him almost playing the Whistler role this time. I was he's training ask, someone. Is Chris Christopherson back in this? Or I no? guess he has some type of small part, I but I, I think so. it's supposed to be Blade, like leaving being the main guy, dude. He was, and he was training like, someone. He was like my favorite part of the original Blade. I, I, I just love I, that character. I'm talking all comic book. Trinity if stunk. I'm, I'm talking all the comic book movies ever made. I have a hard time leaving off Blade One and Two in my top ten. Well, just Blade Two, dude. Blade Two was amazing. Blade One has one of the best opening. It might have the best opening <coughs> scene in any comic book movie ever. When the 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 couples in the club and you don't really know what's going on yet. The, the a sandstorm is playing. Uh, the strobe lights are going, and then the blood starts dropping from the roof. Oh yeah, and, it get, and then Blade comes in and starts fucking people up. That is one of the best opening scenes in the history of comic book movies. And then Blade Two, when they brought on Del Toro as a director, pre pans labyrinth with the imagery and everything and they bring in these new type of vampires unbelievable i will argue to death the first black superhero let's be fair before black panther and blade mm. never gets mentioned in that and it I, doing a new one especially if they could redeem what how bad blade trinity was there's nothing about blade trinity i enjoy and I, I, no, I, I kind of like Triple H, and he has some really stupid things where it's like, oh, right. Hey, and I like Ryan Reynolds, and he was hey, annoying in the movie. Hey, fuckface, you see my dog? The the, the best. Have you checked the lobby? <laughs> the best part. The best part in Blade Trinity is when they ask him, "You ready?" I was born ready, motherfucker. <laughs> like, he, some of the Wesley Snipes lines, and even in the first one, when he's in the hospital and the cops start shooting him, are you fucking out of your mind? I'm on your fucking side, dude. So good. Stephen Dorff in the first Blade is yeah. the villain. Is Deacon Frost unbelievable? So it'll be interesting to see what they do with a new one. And I I'm confident they're going to go with a route of him training a woman, which I don't care as long as it's not like, it doesn't, well, she's yeah. a woman, she could do whatever, which again is why something like the movie yeah. Annihilation was so badass. Well, it, it, it shouldn't matter as long no, as it happens organically. It, you don't need it to make it, you don't need to force feed that it's a woman in the role. Right. And if you do it the right way, Wesley Snipes was born to play Blade. He was born to play two roles in his life, Willie Mays, Hayes, and Blade. Yeah. That was it. And then they replaced him with uh, well, Omar Epps well, in, the, <laughs> in the second major league. Well, what was uh what was uh what was the name of that squad in Blade Two that I I mean even though we don't like Ron Perlman all that much he was like, fine in that he was secondary cool. he was fine yeah and, and uh, who else was it Norman Reedus was in Blade Two yeah he was uh, but I that Blade Two I could watch 
any time. That whole, that, that whole fight scene between the vampire and Blade, like at towards oh, the end God. of the movie. Dude, no, even in the beginning when they infiltrate his base and they yeah. have that whole lighting effect. Why is Bob calling me? I don't know. We should answer and see. What uh, he wants. Okay, hold on. We're gonna take a call from Doctor Bob Roberts. You are on. You watch. I listen. How yeah, are you? What do you, you want, dude? Oh, gentlemen, this is great. I'd like to address a concern about your podcast. What's the concern, Doctor Bob? What's that? So, okay, it's my day off, and I'd love very much to watch a great film of some sort, okay? Okay. I don't have the resources to uh, remember every single film that you guys talked about on You Watch, I Listen. Okay. Uh huh. So I was wondering if there's any way that you guys can start to create a definitive list of all the things you recommend. We've done this for you several times. We made a fucking li- There is a Google Drive list of movies for you to watch. Ah, shit! Shit! about on the show. Okay. That you, okay, give me give me a genre of movie you'd yeah, like to watch. You want an action, a drama, a comedy? I, I was just explaining to Quaz. He's uh, listening in. Okay. Hey. I'm in, the, I'm in the mood, right, to go on an Odyssey-style adventure. I need to be captivated for the next, like, three hours. Okay, I'm going to give you a movie that I did not give Taylor, but Dear, I gave Ralph on the show. Dear okay? Dear. Um, it's it's a trippy fucking movie. It came out last year. It's called Annihilation. Find Annihilation. Watch Annihilation. It'll blow your fucking mind. This is what I want. Yes, I promise this you. It'll trip you the fuck out. Thank Annihilation you. is unreal. And let me know when you finish watching it. Yeah, dude. Okay. All right, Dr. Bob, anything you want to plug? Your mom's tits. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Bob. All right, so nice little segue. Um, so we just talked about Blade, and we got Brian Keane calling in shortly. Um, another thing that was announced, I forgot about that. they're making a Sandlot TV series. Did you hear about this? That could be cool. And it's going to be with the original cast with them oh, in the 80s. Okay. So it's going to be lit- it's going to be I guess a TV movie or TV mini series, right. which is a great idea because another quintessential 80s movie from that 80s 90s genre coming of age that they they're made into a series on YouTube is Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid show. Oh yeah, and with Co- Cobra uh, Kai. I'm not kidding you. Cobra Kai was one of the best shows that came out last year. No shit. It was unbelievable. Since you were being a YouTube original series. I was going to say YouTube Red show, un- right? Unbelievable, and um, so I'm excited to see what they do with the Sandlot, especially since they're bringing back the original cla- cast from Benny the Jet, uh, the Great Hambino, the whole cast. As so, they're going to be adults in the '80s now. Killing me, Smalls. It, it'd be cool, like if they if they're joining like a beer league or like a um right. like semi pro. We have friends that play like actual like semi pro baseball and well, everything. Yeah, look, th- this is going to be so. This um, more than 25 Kyle years Murray. later, the Sandlot uh, was released in theaters. Uh, the movie's getting a reboot on the smaller screen. Uh, so let's see. The show repeatedly already oh already has a two season order from an undisclosed streaming service, um, and it's one of the larger platforms. Could be Amazon, I would think. Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, any one of them. This could be really cool. I would be down. especially if they capture the spirit of just like you know having fun with your friends and right. kind of figuring out yourself. Well, I, I guess here's here's my question because you know at the end of the, at the end of the Sandlot where like they go through all the kids and they're like, well, mm-hmm. this guy did this, this guy did this. Sure. I, isn't there a kid that like went away and like they never heard from again or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I um, they said that he started. Uh, doing acid, yeah, right, and he took off. Yeah, he never, never he heard took from off. Him again. Yeah, he... so like, I, I, I feel like that. I feel like that would be pretty cool to bring whatever character that was. Or yeah, like, I would like because Benny the Jet at the end of the movie became a professional. He was on the Dodgers, player. yeah, right. So I would like, I would, yeah, at the Dodgers, he stole home. Yeah, he stole and, home. Uh, and Smalls was commentating. Yeah, he the was booth. doing commentary. So, so I, what I'm if it was like, like Benny the Jet's rise through the minors and his friends like hanging out and play, like you know after games hanging out with him, yeah. kind of like a rookie of the year kind of thing, kind of like Invincible. 
Yeah, but no one likes Invincible. I'm just saying, it's the same concept. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's the same kind of come thing. Come on, Vince, we need you. I can't, Vince Papali was an asshole. I can't do it. I got a game. You know, what, you know what the best bad Cowboys? Do, do, I don't know if you've ever seen this bad sports movie. It starred Tony Danza. This was like an ABC Family movie. I remember watching it. I was on vacation what somewhere. It? it was called The Garbage Picking, Field Goal Kicking, Philadelphia Phenomenon. And Tony Danza was a garbage man that they discovered is a really good field goal kicker. I mean, he would take out the trash and he's in the junkyard and he just starts kicking things and then an Eagle Scout. Was like, whoa, are we this will solve our woes this season, dude? Should have given you that. Yo, kicker turned their season around, dude. Yeah, Google that really quick. The garbage uh, kicking, field goal kicking, Philadelphia I feel like phenomenon. I've, I've never heard a movie title encompass the, the, <laughs> en- encompass a, a, a city as I have that right now. The dude, garbage kicking, field yeah, goal look, kicking. Tony Dan's is an asshole. Oh my god. Uh, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. He's the, he's the, he, the best thing he ever did was taxi. Does Disney? Own a stake in the Eagles or something because uh, they always the use the Eagles. A Disney movie too. Yeah, that's true. May, they muster. I, I guess it would make sense because they owned the Angels for a while. Yeah, they were a co-owner of the Angels, which made sense when they rebooted Angels in the Outfield. Very same good thing, remake. Uh, same with with the, the Ducks. They they yeah. owned. They were part owners of the Anaheim Ducks it, for a while. It's too. so weird now. Like if I ever catch hockey highlights, which is like three times a year, um, and I see the Ducks jersey, I'm like, those aren't the Ducks jerseys. Nope. Where's nope. the hockey mask that's all yeah. bent like a duck's face? Yeah, right. What uh, was that? Was the car? Cartoon series where they from like another planet. But no, or something. even the jerseys when they first came out, it was the Google the original Mighty Ducks jersey because I well, actually had one of these because when those do- movies came out, everyone liked the Mighty Ducks. Oh movies. yeah, absolutely. When we were kids, dude, there used to be an animated series with the Mighty Ducks. I remember the animated yeah. series. I because I think I had that's some the of, one. Yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah, that, that's absolutely. I, it. There was some of those series because they did that. I logo. think it came on right after Street Sharks was on. Yeah, which right, was my jam Sharks. too. Street Sharks and Gargoyles. Gar- Yo, Gargoyles yeah. was great. Gargoyles was awesome. Um. Well, I was I mean, you're right. I, I don't really care that much about hockey, but like when I went yeah, out to the bar, cares about hockey. <laughs> when I went out to the bar last night, uh, my buddy you have Skype up, right, Josh? Uh, my buddy Bobby, ready to go, logged it, into the account. Yep, cool. He had he had money on the Devils Rangers last night, so he had Who won. Uh, the rain. He had money on the Rangers winning, but he also had the 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 under, which was six. And then with the last ten seconds, open net goal, the Rangers score, and <laughs> and they fucked up his bet. Dude. Good, good. Screaming, hey, Josh. At the bar. Just make sure you have Keen's uh, wiki up when we uh, call in. I mean, I know a lot of it, but it's just good to oh, reference. Oh, and then it. also speaking. Of Gambling. I won money in Michigan State last night. Fuck yeah! I wish I put money on Dos Santos last night. You should have, dude. I, I was I was thinking about I, it. I, you know, it scares me because I'm still not sure where his chin is at. And I mean, I mean, uh, also we know how hard a... Derek Lewis hits, right? That's, there that's, it is. That's not him. Um, and that's him. That that is not Brian Keane. <laughs> that's that first, Brian that's Brian Keane. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. Um, no, that he's not an American composer. No, I know that. Just Google. <laughs> don't even type in writer. His Wikipedia page is usually the first one up. Um, so, yeah, the Sandlot TV series would be pretty cool. There was something from a, a famous animated series that's still on that made the news this week because this What's person that? has uh, – type in Brian Keene, The Rising, and you should find – I don't know why. Your Google sucks. Yeah, what the hell, dude? <laughs> uh, there it is. Uh, third one down. Um, yeah, we are. Nope, that's no, not it. The... Click it. See what happens. Well, you're not spelling his no, name no, right. Okay, it's, no. e- it's E-E-N. Go back. See Brian Keene right here? See where it's his author? Just click his name. It's yeah. hyperlinked right All here. All the way to the right, Josh. Okay. Down. Down. No. Yeah, there yeah, you go. There we go. No. Brian Keene, the novel. There you go. Click his name in the, the page. There we go. There you go. Um, So 
uh, everything is going on with Michael Jackson right now, which I really don't even want to talk about because it's it's stuff that most of us have probably known for a long time, whatever. Uh, the Simpsons pulled one of their most famous episodes from circulation from the streaming platforms, uh, which is the Michael Jackson episode from season three. And but no one knew this for a long time, but Michael Jackson actually provided the voice of there on the, that episode. He went uncredited. Uh, it's a famous, famous episode with the song and everything. Right. Who's fastball? What is he talking about? I'm just not answering, Bob. Uh, So the Simpsons creator decided to pull the episode from circulation. And because the episode itself does reflect a little weird. Yeah, um, right. When you look at it now, and this was uh, this came out two years before the first allegations against Michael Jackson, um, and it was ago. about his relationship with Bart. He instantly took a liking to Bart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does look really weird in hindsight. Um, it's actually probably eye-opening in a lot of ways. And usually I don't like erasing history and things like that. If it was the, the, the streaming platform or Fox or someone that said we're pulling it, I'd probably have a problem with it. But the creator of it saying, hey... You know, I'm also, not comfortable I mean, with this anymore. I can respect that. I, I was going to say, especially like the, like the the creator of The Simpsons. I feel like that he, he's almost like well, he is the original, but like that, like just let him do his thing. You know, what I mean, he knows. I mean, Josh, he, you know the, he, he the Michael Jackson Simpsons episode. It's a it's if you watch it now, and if you can find it online, Taylor, you should just give it a watch just to see what I'm talking about because it the people you know. I know you're not a big Simpsons fan, but well, I, I, I've decided I want to. I want to go actually dude, watch. You, okay, skip season one, start around season two, and go up to like season fifteen. And, <laughs> and there's really no well, bad episodes. Well, because one of the funniest things Bob showed me one time actually was a uh, uh, Bart Simpson. Uh, no, not Bart. Uh, Homer and uh, Lisa went to try a sensory deprivation tank, and it's like you got to sit there and be quiet yeah, and shit, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so Lisa's tripping balls, and all you see is Homer and the other one just ooh ee ooh ah ah bing bang wallow bing bang. And there's <laughs> One of my favorite dude. Simpsons bits ever is when he's looking at a globe and he sees Uruguay. You are gay. <laughs> or like, There's a great soundbite I need you to add eventually. It's just Homer going, be more funny. <laughs> Play that when one of us bombs. Or, uh, yeah. or what, what is it? There's another one. Like, There's he's, he's so at, dude, many. Dude, he's at a gas station and he's like filling up his car. He goes, some for you. As a baseball, as a baseball for fan, you, you got to watch um, the, the famous baseball episode of The Simpsons. It's is, one is, of the is, that, gr- is that the famous gif of him just coming out of like Wrigley Field bushes? Is yeah, that there, that is? that's... No, that's one of them, but the baseball episode is considered like probably the best episode of The Simpsons ever. But as far as the Michael Jackson thing goes, I'm not going to watch a documentary just like I didn't watch the R. Kelly one. And there's a couple of reasons. Uh, one is the the kids that are the two guys that are the, that said they were abused as children. Back when he died, they came out with these loving, touching statements about how he took such good care of them, yada, yada. In two, and I think in 1995, they swore under oath to a judge that nothing happened. And now they're saying all this stuff did happen. So what you're saying is they, they committed perjury? Uh, potentially. They, they could have, sure. But I'm also not in the game of saying someone that's a potential abuse victim is lying. I'd rather just... You know, keep hands off, and also because they they're lying at some point, one way or the other. Right. One way or the other, we know Michael Jackson was a fucking weirdo. Definitely. A weirdo. And for the first time in like I think twenty five years, his album sales are going down because of it. When I was I was in Shoprite this morning and they were playing uh, "Beat It," and I was like, "Oh, I should just be an asshole and complain." I'm offended to get like a free grocery shopping because <laughs> I've done that before. I the one that I've told you guys about when uh, uh I'm offended. We, I'm, we, a, I'm offended of this song. Give me a free gallon of milk. No, that's exactly what I would do. Ah. So one time we were at the 
movies, and they were doing the thing in the beginning, like, silence your cell phones, uh, look for your exits, and it says, if you see any suspicious characters, uh, let us know, and right. they used a Joker card, and I'm like, these motherfuckers are referencing the, the Aurora movie theater shooting, yeah. they reference James Holmes, so I started tweeting to them, this was deeply offensive, they gave me like 2,000 points in my AMC stubs cards and sent me four free movie passes, <laughs> just because I acted like I was offended about it. Or, I didn't give a fuck. No, no silly stuff happens. Like, like I remember, like we got into a Twitter argument, which is better, Chipotle or Moe's, and then Moe's tweeted me. They gave me three free burritos. Yeah, I, still, I defended Moe's, dude. I got mad at Moe's because one t- one time when I had them, my rice was severely undercooked in my um. It was like having Allison's rice in my burrito. <laughs> so I, I I tweeted them, "Your rice sucks. It's hard. Uh, Give me something free." And they blocked me. <laughs> so I'm like, I won't eat Moe's anymore. Oh my god. <laughs> I so the other night I call got, coming in. Okay, go oh, ahead. never mind. Um, here we go. We turned up. Hey, Brian, this is Dan and Taylor and Josh at You Watch, I Listen. How are you? Hey, how you doing, guys? I'm doing great. Yeah, how's and, everything? Uh, on the line, we have two-time Bram Stoker award-winning author Brian Keene. And, uh, Brian, I got to tell you right off the bat, um, this is Dan. Uh, this is really cool for me. I've been a fan of yours for a long, long time now. Um, actually, I got your, I got The Rising from a friend. I was He gave me one book to read by an author named J.L. Bourne. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, the, I read Day by Day Armageddon. And once I finished that, he said, you need to read The Rising and The City of the Dead. Because while I'm a big horror fan, the zombie genre is is by far my favorite. And I read the, I bought The Rising in the City of the Dead one day. Um, I bought them at uh, Borders. And I finished The Rising in one day. And I, I started falling asleep right towards the end of The Rising. And as I'm falling asleep, I started having a nightmare. And I wake up out of it and I see my reading lamp like above my head, but the silhouette looked like a person. And I just swung an overhand punch and shattered it because it, sca- <laughs> it scared the hell out of me. Um, awesome. And you know, then I then from there I read uh, the De- I read Dead Sea, I read Conqueror uh, Conqueror Worm, uh, Dark Hollow. So you've written a lot of work that has really made a big impact on my life. Well, thanks, man. That's um, awesome. And you know, a, a couple things. I actually just reread the Rising in the City, City of the Dead before uh, we did this call. I read them this week again, and there was a lot of things that I picked up on because uh, you, you know, you had somewhat of a relationship with George Romero. Um, you wrote a really uh, touching tribute to him after he passed, which um, I, I read over. Uh, I noticed you put a lot of little like uh, Easter eggs to r- r- the Romero dead films in your books. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, consciously, you know, I did it on purpose. Um, you know, that's that's nothing new. Of course. In the genre, you know, uh, you know, I, growing up, I'd see, uh, you know, Stephen King, Skip Inspector, people like that do the same thing. For and, sure. And, uh, you know, it was my turn. Uh, you know, you just you, you pay tribute to those who inspired you. So, yeah, I mean, you know, George, uh, of course, Ken Free, who played Peter in Dawn of the Dead, uh who is now a dear, dear friend, you know, it, you put him in there. I put a, a little cameo nod to Tom Savini. Yep. Uh, the one that yeah, I, a lot of stuff the one that. that I caught um, in city of the dead. And it's when they're, they're escaping through the sewer and uh, the, the alligator that was in the sewer and he jumps in, <laughs> he jumps in head first and he says choke on it, which is a day of the dead reference with Rhodes. Well, and you know why I did with the alligator? Why uh, it is it is Day of the Dead, the opening scene, probably more than anything. Oh yeah, well you got the underground that, base where you yeah, first meet well, you first meet Ob. Well, no, not not so much that, but it, it's Day of the Dead that really gave me the idea. Just the for, end, end of days for, kind of thing. Yeah, because um, you know at the the opening shot, there's that alligator. Yeah, that's and and, the, and then the the dead walk is the famous newspaper clip that pops up. 
Right, uh, and I thought, you know, watching it as a teenager, I thought, oh, that alligator's going to be a zombie. That's so cool. And, and then it wasn't. It's just an alligator. It's just an alligator. Yeah, and, and years later, when you know I'm I'm casting around for ideas for my first novel, it's it's like, oh, the alligator from Dawn of the Dead. What what if that had been a zombie? Okay, I got my idea. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there was definitely. I picked up on the Day of the Dead um, homage the most for sure, based on you know even things like the the military convoys that the the guy Shaw was kind of like Rhodes, where it was just became yep. like a ruthless militia that was dictating everything. But you put yep. some really uh, the biggest thing I could say about these novels specifically is that you handled the characters with so much heart that it they the, the horror almost became secondary at times and there there's I mean we're in New Jersey and I always remember when reading the book when you're driving up past West Orange and you see the cemetery on both sides yeah, of the highway right. and you reference that we drive by that all all, all, all the, time. the time and right. so to me that was like that stuck out big time and well, uh, see, and it was that was all personal stuff uh you know I was a divorced dad at the time I, I was a young man but you know I I had a kid very young uh but his mom and him lived in Belleville, New Jersey. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would make that drive, you know, uh, every other week. And you, uh, you, you see that and, cemetery, and, and it's like you get I ideas in your head. Cemetery. Well, yeah, I'm, and I mean, you know, the, the route that Jim and Martin travel in that book is, is pretty much the drive I made to go see my kid. Yeah, right. Uh, you know? Well, I, I, yeah, that's I, especially because like I, I work in that area. You know, I, I work like more around like Clifton, Patterson, Passaic area, but like we have a lot of customers in Belleville towards that way. I guess because driving that so many times, I think nothing of it. But but, but now like referencing it, it in the book, if you have someone that's driving up for the first few times and they see just thousands and thousands of gravestones yeah, dude, on both rough. sides of them and it's uh it's pretty creepy but, but you know you, uh you handled those characters like you said you were a divorced father and uh the the jim and danny saga was was really cool to just see that father trying to go through hell and high water to get to his son and you introduced these really unique complex characters like martin like frankie uh frankie especially who you know that was a, a bold risk to take you know it's a recovering heroin addict prostitute who becomes almost the hero pretty much the hero she's got a, a badass scene when they're they first get to danny where she's just ripping through zombies jumping it falls into a pool that was a really ambitious character in this genre oh yeah and yeah, I, and you know it's weird you you go back i mean now here we are in in 2019 and and social issues issues of representation they're they're what everyone is talking about. yeah and you, but, you, you know i i wrote this back in 99 2000 yeah uh and it just it wasn't on anyone's mind back then. No. But I, you know, I kept thinking, well, I know who's reading my books, and it, it's not just you know, uh, it's not just folks that look like me. I I, I want to make sure everybody's yeah. in the book. And, and it's it's so weird in the zeitgeist at the same exact time, you've got Danny Boyle, yeah, right, twenty eight twenty eight days, later, days later, and you got uh, you got Kirkman working on walking dead and they all came out within a couple months of each other and if you look at them every one of them has a, a strong woman of color every one of them has yeah, a that's a parent a, that's and a child good point dynamic you that, know that's a really good point and yeah so you, I, I guess it was something in the zeitgeist maybe and even in um dead sea you you took a your main character was a gay black man right. and and that's a you know that again i when i read that i was like wow this is a 
different for what I'm used to. You took characters that people usually would more often than not try to avoid. Maybe not so much in horror because, you know, going back to horror, you look at the way they've done things, going back to Ellen Ripley and like Alien, for example, and yeah. you look in the sci-fi genre, Sarah Connor. Um, it, it, you mentioned the thing about like social issues and I see a lot of horror writers and directors often reference that sometimes the best content comes out when there is uh, political turmoil, social turmoil in the country. For you, would you find that to be true? Uh, you know, I, I do. Um, you know, I, I think back to uh, when when I was getting my start. You know, we, we had a lot of turmoil at that time when I, when I was just starting out, just starting to write. You know, we had uh, the L.A. riots, Rodney yeah. King. Uh, O.J. The aftermath of McVeigh and all that. Yeah, and McVeigh, that was, yeah. Yeah, you know, my whole generation, Joe Hill, Jonathan Mayberry, J.F. Gonzalez, Mary San Giovanni, myself, we all sort of started right around that time. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, and it, I, I think there's I think there's a lot to that idea. There, there has to be a major correlation because you look over the last couple of years in film. I mean, every every year people are always like saying horror goes into bad f- phases, but every year there's good horror. But lately, right. it seems like in film and TV, the quality is almost matching the quantity in a lot of cases of the stuff that's coming out. Uh, right. From uh, one of the, I actually mentioned this to you on Twitter when the show came out, but I always I've been waiting to see if they ever did an adaptation, a film or TV adaptation of The Rising and. City of the Dead. They should. And my first pick to direct after I watched the series was Mike Flanagan to direct the series of that potentially because oh, hell the, yes. the weaving storylines and how they all come together. And Mike Flanagan um, from the, not just The Haunting of Hill House, but he did a film a couple years ago called Oculus that yeah. tied oh, yeah. in these I, multiple storylines so beautifully that it felt almost like Christopher Nolan does very well. Right. Yeah. And that would be the guy to me. Like if they, And I don't think they can ever make just a movie of The, the Rising and City of the Dead because there's so much I mean, They've tried. Yeah, they've, I remember well, reading years ago that they were trying to. It's well, it's been tried many times. I just I quit talking about it eventually because every time I'd mention it was under option, people would people not under you know not really knowing how the business works. They thought that meant oh, it's automatically going to get made. No, no. Um, I mean, the closest we ever got, uh, they had they had talked to Robert Downey Jr. I'm told at one point okay about wow. playing Jim that would have been a good uh, good I, I always pictured him and Bruce Willis actually yeah. playing Jim <laughs> yeah you know and he uh I'm told I never spoke to him but I'm told he was interested but it they the people who had it at that time couldn't get it off the ground and he went on to uh take the role of Tony Stark and yeah that's kind of so, you can't turn that down if you're him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look yeah, how it's worked you know. out. And, yeah. I mean, it would be really cool to see it eventually. I mean, you've had one thing that became a, a YouTube short, which was the the Fast Zombies Suck. Yeah. Which, right, uh, which is, is yeah, I, I mean, I you know, Ghoul uh, got adapted, you know, and uh, Fast Zombies Suck. Uh, there's actually uh, quite a bit of movement on Urban Gothic right oh, now. Oh, really? We've a, yeah, we've got a screenwriter attached, uh, a director who I can't name, but... He's one of the hottest directors in horror right now. Okay. Uh, 
very interested once the screenplay's finished. So it looks like that'll happen. Well, the, the it's it's cool to see also that um, the Stephen King adaptations are getting new life as well. Oh, for sure. Um, and maybe even possible, you know, they, they they did a very good job with the new It. The new Pet Cemetery looks interesting um, with the twist on it. So it, right. it is cool just to see, you know, there these new hot directors in horror from Ari Aster, who did Hereditary, and now Midsummer that's coming out. Uh, there's a lot of really good names in horror that are coming around. Right. Um, so, would, um, what are your thoughts on because uh, the zombie genre? It, it's always kind of gone gone through lulls from you know Romero's Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and then you had things like Zombie Two uh, to Return of the Living Dead, and then when The Walking Dead really, you know, Danny Boyle made a Kickstarter again in film, and then Zack Snyder remade Dawn of the Dead, which I'm indifferent to. But then The Walking right. Dead kind of brought zomb- the whole zombie genre back into the forefront. Do you consider yourself a fan of The Walking Dead and how zombies are just regular part of culture now? You know, I, I mean, the eye opener for me was uh, a couple years after The Rising and City of the Dead were out. Uh, you know, I hadn't written the other two books in the Rising series yet, uh, and now, of course, I'm writing the fifth. But the, the first two books had been out for a couple years, and I was in a Hot Topic store. Okay. And I saw Great a bunch store. of T-shirts. You know, and the first T-shirt had Zombie Goldfish, and the second one had Zombie Squirrel. Okay. And if you've read the book, yeah, that's my shit. Yeah, exactly. Ah, Where oh, every everything, everything becomes something. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not getting a dime for it, but okay, I I have directly influenced pop culture, so that's cool. Yeah, that is, um, that is really cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I as far as the stuff now, uh, because I am working on you know the fifth and final book in the Rising series, I'm I'm trying to avoid other zombie stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, and there, and there but, like I said, there is a lot of it. Yeah, you know, I, and it's just it's it's a case of I, you know, I, I don't want to accidentally be influenced by someone else. Um, but you know, I, that's, that's I, I pay point. attention to what's going on. Certainly, right. um, well, you know, I for my own podcast, I kind of have to. I, I got to be up on the news. Absolutely, and what's yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, I, you know, I'm I'm on record and and. You know, I'm dear friends, well, you know, friends with Greg Nic- Nicotero, and, and uh, I mean no disrespect to him or anybody else on the cast and crew who I know, but I, I, I'm i not a fan of The Walking Dead television show. Sure. And- uh, you know, they lost me after Herschel's Farm, you know, what was that, season three? Season, I think? No, season, season two, two when, two, after yeah. they leave, after yeah. uh, Shane killed... Uh, 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 Rick Kill Shane, yeah. season two. Yeah, yeah, I mean it was you know it was basically a, a season of Farmville with zombies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah farm, I mean, farming with Rick. I mean you're not wrong. I mean uh, the Walking Dead. Th- this is Taylor. You watch I listen. By yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, uh, the Walking Dead lost me after Terminus, which is actually the next season. That was season right. three or four. That was that was season four. Th- four. four. Season okay. three was the prison. Season so, four was Terminus. I, like, yeah, th- that's where they lost me. But I, I just want to say wholeheartedly because I, I'm not really a fan of horror. No, he, Taylor scares very easily. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, it also helps that uh, double down. I'm not really that uh, big fan of reading, and uh, <laughs> he just can't uh, read very well. Um, but I remember, like, like when Dan and I first became friends a little, while, like a little around like eight years ago, we, we were we were drunk hanging out, and he hands me the 
the, your book, The Rising. He goes, dude, just read this thing. You'll love it. I was like, it, it'll get in your head. And it's and, cerebral. And like that's I I, I want to continue the series. I just haven't had any time. I mean, it's been eight years. I think I've had plenty. Yeah, of you've time. had time. I've just been eating. procrastinating. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I just, it's it's an, it's an amazing book, and I just you know, you I, know I'm very happy. I, I, I remember. Love it, dude. So I, I, I really obviously do. I he just told you I recommended to him and my older my oldest brother who's a guy that really doesn't scare at all. I'm like, you need to read these, and he read them, and he wanted me to tell <laughs> tell you he had this dream after reading it that uh because you you didn't just you, you took the zombie genre and you put this spin on it where it, it's almost a little like evil dead inspired too it's a, yeah oh it's exactly like evil Dead. exactly you know? and the other one i thought yeah. of was in return of the living dead when they have the one zombie strapped down on the gurney and they talk to it and yep. she's like it hurts to be dead the the need the, the eating makes them feel better those are the two things i referenced my brother had a dream where he's like digging a grave and then because he he thought his wife died when all this was going on and then my sister walks up with his wife's head and throws it to him while he's in the grave and he's like he remembers that dream so vividly because and this the one thing i always reference to people when i'm talking about the book that the idea of these these zombies referencing the memories in the head was um the neighbor uh mr uh, de santos or and he uh his wife coming back and using the code in the panic room and to think they're not just these mindless corpses that just kind of just try to break through things that they can use strategy if they were a pilot they can fly like yeah, things right, like right. that I, I did a, a lot more of that in the third book the rising selected selected scenes, scenes from the, the yes yeah there you know there there's a lot of material in there where the zombies are using the abilities of their hosts like if the you know if the host was a samurai warrior yeah now you've got a zombie who knows how to be a samurai. oh jesus yeah, well, that, that was the thing and the character ob was so interesting being like the leader like to actually think that the zombies can uh, assimilate into mm-hmm. like a, uh, an army and uh, was there anything that directly inspired uh, ob like a leader of this army you know i didn't think so at the time but i i have to admit going back now um as a kid there was this comic book i read uh called dead world and yeah i i didn't have access to a lot of comics so i only read like two or three issues of it uh and i'd kind of just completely forgotten about it uh but they had a talking zombie in there who was kind of a leader so i guess that was a bit of a subconscious influence okay Uh, but really what i what I, i i would say more than anything it was uh it was Stephen King's Randall Flagg, the walking. Yeah, yeah, that, that's um, a wow. I haven't thought of that in years. <laughs> wow, yeah, you know, and, and and by design, you know, Ob is uh, he's a an entity that has appeared in other stuff by me, not not yeah. related to you know the Rising. It's um, it's kind of like that Stephen King world where things can be referenced in other novels. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so, one of the other characters that I got to ask um, the the tower that they went to in the city, Mister Ramsey, is that supposed to oh, be yeah. is that supposed to be Donald Trump? Oh yes, yes. I, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you know it, it's great. You mentioned George earlier. Yeah. Um, the first time I met him, I had I had just finished writing City of the Dead. It hadn't been published, but I finished writing it. And uh, Greg Nicotero, uh, you know, he asked me we're at this party. And he asked me, he says, you want to meet George? And I'm like, oh, you know, hell yeah. And uh, walk over to him. He had a copy of The Rising. And uh, he asked me to sign it for him. And I did. And and we get to talking about what we're working on. And uh, he had just finished Land of the Dead, I guess. And he's telling me about it. He's like, yeah, there's this, you know, this 
this uh, industrialist megalomaniac, and he's got this impregnable skyscraper and the zombies <laughs> camped outside. What? How about you? What are you working on? <laughs> well, oh, sounds uh, like a hell of a guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This the sequel to The Rising. There's this industrialist billionaire. <laughs> yeah, and the zombies are camped I mean, it, it's crazy because when I read this, this was before the idea of Donald Trump even being president was a thing, and I remember reading like, oh, that's supposed to be Donald Trump. He's in the giant tower and he wants to save everyone and thinks he's doing the right thing and um it, you were kind of ahead of the game on that one <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know uh, these, these stories are as old as the human race yeah. there's yeah. always gonna be people like that you know yeah. sure so i was gonna say brian now I, I just wanted to ask um because i guess uh, you've been a, you've been a writer for quite some time now was there any particular time before like you know in in your childhood or like where you wanted to actually become a writer or was there like a particular instance where like you found it later in life or like oh i'm pretty good at this maybe i should pursue it you know what i mean I knew when I was eight years old. Uh, That's awesome! Wow. I, my dad, my dad took me. My dad, he was a he's a Vietnam vet. He was a blue collar guy, very into like football and stuff. My kind uh, of guy, a man's man yeah, kind of guy. I, I think I think he read one book in his life. <laughs> Do you sound like Taylor? Uh, sound here? like me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he was Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian but, Keys, uh, dad, He's dude. probably cooler than Taylor is. Well, dad. Everyone's cooler than you me. Know, he, he took me to the, the newsstand one day. And he, he wanted to get himself a hunting magazine and a, a package of chewing tobacco. And he took me along. And usually he'd buy me, you know, like bubblegum cards or something. But I saw these comic books. And I'm like, Dad, can I get a couple of these? And he's like, yeah. So I, I, I get two of them and I bring them home. Captain, an issue of Captain America written and drawn by Jack Kirby right. and an issue of the defenders written by Steve Gerber. Okay. Okay. And, uh, that issue of the defenders, I read it and then I reread it and then it was time for dinner. After dinner, I went back and reread it a third time and got out the dictionary and started looking up the words I didn't know. Okay. That's and pretty cool. I noticed, I noticed this little credit box on the bottom of the first page. It said written by Steve Gerber. And it clicked in my head. I'm like, Oh, this is like an actual job yeah. you can have. <laughs> a moment of realization. Um, you yeah, became self-aware. There was, was an awakening in you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was it. I mean, you know, in, in middle school and junior high school, you know, I had a couple friends who were also reading Stephen King books, but but I was the guy reading the, the afterwards and the introductions to Steve's books where he would talk about how he wrote the stories. Okay, yeah. You know, all, already I was, like, trying to learn – we didn't have the internet. Um, yeah. You were yeah, diving I, into I the special features of the book yeah. before they had it on DVD. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, the early 90s, I, you know, I got out of the Navy and, and I wanted to do this, but I had no idea how. And uh, Joe Lansdale, very early in his career, he was doing a, a signing at the local comic book store. And, you know, I, I went in and he was one of the first people to give me some advice. Um, and then I met. Uh, a semi-local author, Nancy Springer, she was writing fantasy. She gave me some really good advice. Uh, but you, mo you know, before the internet, you just you kind of had to figure this, pen this stuff and, out. Pen, pencil oh. and paper, pretty much, or figure a typewriter. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I bet you Taylor's never used a typewriter in his life. No, I have. <laughs> I have. I very much have. That's pretty crazy. So uh, let me ask you, because we talked about fast zombies suck. Do you truly hate the the fast, the sprinting zombies that became a... No, that, I, that was that was all a playful jab at George. Yeah, because he, he uh, definitely did not like them. <laughs> yeah, he, he he gave me shit. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was good-natured about it, but, but he gave me a lot of crap about the fast zombies. Yeah. And, because... uh, in fact, the second convention... 
he and I were ever at. You know, he knew I was going to be there, and he had uh, he had these T-shirts printed up that said "Fast Zombies Suck," and he, <laughs> he was selling it from his table, and he kept telling people, "Oh yeah, go over and say hi to Brian in your T-shirt." Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> in, in your book, so, you you know they mentioned you mentioned they run, but it also depended on the state of the the decay they were in, which right. to me makes the most sense. Because when I look at Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, which for me, I think the opening scene of that movie is truly horrific, and then I think once it gets into the mall, it gets a little hokey. And yeah. again, and they show them the zombies decaying, but they're still running a four three forty. Like it right. doesn't doesn't make much sense. But in your book, it made sense. And then in twenty eight days later, they're infected. It's almost like rabies in humans. It's not truly like the undead kind of thing. Right. Um, and again, you took such a, a cerebral approach to play. Almost these zombies could play mind games rather than the sl- to me the, the slower ones always creep me out more. Yeah, because uh, you couldn't hear them coming. There's this great recent indie horror zombie film called. Uh, I think I let Josh watch it uh, called The Dead that they were oh, yes. I, I love The Dead because it just reminded me of the things that when I was younger in like Night of the Living Dead that scared me how you can't even hear them coming because it's just these slow sham- uh, just shambling right. things right to you well it, it, it's, right. A, it's a very interesting take on this like the, the very much the zombies so I, I, that's really that's like a really like adult, I wouldn't say out of left field but it's a very interesting take on it because well, it you, gives you, it another dynamic like said, as opposed you to just like they're coming they're coming you, they're you coming. mentioned the, the zombie goldfish the idea of of, you know, this guy, his dog gets hit by a car, and then the dog, the dog's dead, and then it bites him, and it's its guts are hanging out, and it's still coming back. The thought, uh, and then it's even trying to speak. There's this great scene that where Frankie's in the the zoo, and there's a li- a zombie lion, Jesus. and it's never spoken before, so it's trying to speak. You took such a an interesting take on it, yeah. And so you said that a lot of that came from the idea of the uh, Evil Dead films, correct? Uh, a lot of a lot of it was Evil Dead, and and like I said, the whole animal idea—it all goes back to, to that, the that doorway scene with the alligator. It just was a thought know? that sprung into your head, and um, yeah. you know, I, my 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 love for the zombie genre came from my my dad always let me sneak and watch horror movies. He had an awesome collection of these, and there was one that he would never let me watch, and probably understandably so. Like age six, he had this really cool VHS. You know, there was a million editions of Night of the Living Dead because of the copyright problem, um, and right. he, he wouldn't let me watch that. And then one night, my mom one out and he's like all right we'll watch night of the living dead and uh thankfully for me he fell asleep five minutes in so i'm up by myself watching it and it at six seven years old i'd never seen anything like that right like that scared me more than like psycho did nightmare on elm street for some reason this one just stuck with me and when they just did the re-release of night of the living dead a few months ago we went to the imax screening of it in 4k and you were part of the the night of the living dead anthology book that just came out you got the right what was that that had to be you know you said you you met George a bunch of times you had a somewhat of a relationship that had to be really cool to be part of something that is so ingrained in American DNA and cinema specifically to write a book so what was that like for you oh I mean it was a, it was an absolute honor um you know because I mean not only not only to be invited but I mean you know because I've done a lot of stuff like that you know aliens doctor yeah. who the x-files but but this is one that's really freaking personal not oh, only yeah. to me but to to every other peer i have in this industry and every fan that i know i mean we all go back that's a mount that rushmore universe. horror film night of the living yeah Dead. so to to contribute something in canon to that universe yeah. uh, it, it's it's great 
and you know. yours and of all the stories in there, yours stood out the most because again, you write your your characters and the little details with so much heart. Like they almost become part of your. It almost seems like you're writing them as part of your family. Well, they're they're all handled. Even the the minute the small backup characters, um, like Bates in uh, City of the Dead, had so much heart. Like little touches to them, and so you have a very good pulse for the characters that you're trying to convey to print. Well, I was going to say well, they're much character pieces yes. too. You know what I mean? It's great. Well, I've always felt horror. I mean, as a genre, it really only works. If you have empathy for the characters, now, you don't necessarily have to like the characters. You got to feel you for them. Yeah, you know. So I, I always, always focus on characters. You know, well, scares naturally. Well, that, I was going to say. I mean, just listen to you speak about it and how much you know, how much of appreciation you have for the genre in, to- in like in total, like. I, I could tell just from reading the one book, The Rising, like it, it, you're you're fan, like you're mu- you're as much a fan as you are in it. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, and, oh, and, and that very much translates into your work. And, and I could see that. And that's you know, cool. And your passion well, for because it. Because that's amazing. You know, with so much of the, there's so much quantity of zombie stuff, and you could tell some of them. It's just like, oh, this is a killer payday. Like when I watched exactly the, like, when I saw paycheck, like right? World War Z the movie. It only thing in common with the book is the title. I mean, and like it was cool. It but was I just it was a good action yeah, flick, but it did it. not have the the it, it was nothing resembling the book at all. And right. I, I would be, I guarantee I'm pretty sure that I don't want to say guarantee. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's got to be a fear of any of your adaptations is that they just take the name and then turn it into something else entirely. Well, I mean, it can it can very much happen. Yeah. Um, you know, Ghoul. My fan base seems to be split. 50-50. Some people liked the adaptation. The other ones did not like how it veered away from the book. Usually um, how it goes with adaptations. You know, what What angers me is when they get mad at me for it. I'm like, man, I got no control over that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, like what am I supposed to do? I, like, it's yeah, just... You it, know, I've, you don't want I've, written 50, I've written 50 horror novels, but I'm, I'm still a, a blue-collar guy living in rural Pennsylvania. I'm not a millionaire off this, so, I, you know. I was going to say, like, a lot of people think, like, like when writers, like, they have their adaptations, like, brought to screen, they, they all think they're going to be executive producers. Like, not everyone's George R.R. R. Martin that's on set. Yeah. Or, like, taking part in the writing process. Yeah, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. It's, it's very so, rare. I mean, it, that's why, like, with the new Stephen King adaptations, you can tell, even if they're changed, like, in It, they changed, they had to change certain things from the book, but it kept the spirit of the novel, which is exactly. often lost. And that's what World War Z did not keep the spirit of the novel. Right. And while I was surprised that I, I did enjoy the movie, it could have been so much better but that's a book that probably works better as a mini series because there's so much happening in it right and so you said you've written 50 novels do you have one that you consider your your best or your favorite that you wrote i've got three okay what are uh, they? dark hollow yes very good one uh, you know i i think dark hollows uh i mean if you, if you that and and uh, a novella called The Girl in the Glider. They're, they would be my number one and my number two. And I, I think both of those, if you really want to know who I am, they're probably my most autobiographical works. They're my most personal works. Um, they're ones that I would not mind seeing in print 100 years from now after I'm gone. Sure. Uh, and then actually a more recent novel, The Complex. The Complex, uh, which okay. Was, I'm going to pick that one you know, up. That was... Uh, my my best friend, author J.F. Gonzalez, uh, had passed, and I was uh, I was working through a lot of that. And people had kind of been saying, you know, oh, Brian Keene's getting older; his stuff's not as hardcore as it used to be. It's got to be tough to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, you know, let's show you kids I still got it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, th- those two factors came together into the complex. I I, I think it's 
personally, it's probably the most fun I've ever had writing. A I'm book. gonna I'm gonna pick that one up. I say well, like because you sent it like during the complex. Was that like when you wrote that? Do you have like a chip on your shoulder? Like you had something to prove? Is that like that's uh, kind of what it sounds like? Not so much something to prove. Just I I just I'd had it. I just had it with everyone. <laughs> right. and You're like, here, you uh, you want yeah. this? Here you go. Yeah, you know, I'd just gotten divorced for the second time, and uh, I was living in this this apartment complex, uh, and it, it, it was embarrassing because, I mean, you know, I, I go to a, anywhere else in the world. People don't know who I am, but in rural Pennsylvania, oh, yeah, that's that's our version of Stephen King. Everybody. Yeah, knows. I can imagine. So it's, it's cool. It's embarrassing. They're like, oh. You got fifty books. What are you doing living here? <laughs> yeah, like, well, I, not so, everyone, it's yeah. like maybe I like it here. How about that? <laughs> you know, I, I'm mad. I'm in this apartment, and my best friend has just died. And it's you know, therapeutic. I, I, these people on the internet saying, "Oh yeah, he's lost it. He doesn't it, have it anymore." And I just I I locked myself away for three months. And, and bang that novel out. I, and I can it, imagine with uh, the way the internet and social media is that criticism's got to be very, very difficult because yeah. um, some of it is just unwarranted and hateful. You know, honestly, being hateful too. Yeah, nine times out of ten, I ignore it. I, I sure. never read my reviews anymore. I'm not above, you know, retweeting a review if it's good. Sure, because, of course. To be honest, I, I want to sell books. Absolutely. But, you're, uh, you're, you're, as much as you, you know, business. as much as you love what you're yeah. doing, you got to be a. a performer as well <laughs> yeah yeah but i i don't read i don't i don't take them to heart but at that at that particular moment in life i was taking everything to heart you know Absolutely. So, uh, so you said yeah. that you're working on the final book in the rising series uh what's the I title am. and when when should it be dropping the title is the fall um i had started it before my accident last year for for your listeners that don't know yeah I ended up lighting myself on fire last summer, summer oh, of, uh, and it wasn't eight. by choice. So that's <laughs> no, it was, wasn't by choice, um, and that was a a long recovery process. In yeah, you, truth, it's, you had second it's and third re- second and third degree burns to the face and arm, body, I believe. Uh, flash, flash, and first degree on my face. Uh, second and third on my arm. Uh, my elbow was was down to the elbow. Oh, and uh, they, they, the fans really rallied with the GoFundMe in the, that case as well, did they not? Yeah, I mean, you know, people think, oh, again, you know, they think, oh, he's been writing for 20 years. Yeah, not everyone's Stephen but, King, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's not only that, I don't have health insurance. Yeah. You know, you, you, can't, you can't get it when you're uh, a middle-aged person who's been self-employed for 20 years. Yeah, no. <laughs> not, not, even, uh, not even the Affordable Care Act will cover it. Correct. So... You know, I, I had no choice but to do that GoFundMe. Yeah. Um, but long story short, that that put me behind on everything. But, yeah. Uh, I I am working on it. It's probably going to be the longest novel oh, I've ever awesome. done. Um, okay. It starts around midway through the Rising. Okay. You know, the first novel, uh, and it ends about three months after City of the Dead. Okay. Uh, there are some characters from the first two books. I'm not going to say who. Okay, cool. Uh, and Same. there are a bunch of new characters, and we finally get to see uh, more of these these two hosts of demons that followed, you know, uh, Ob's, 
Yeah, the the, the, the trees and the bugs and uh, exactly. the, okay, uh, that's that's awesome. I'm very excited for that. So before we wrap up, we do because we're a, um, a podcast that's based in movies and music, and we always ask our guests a couple of questions. So the first one is, uh, what is your favorite album or artist and album? Yeah. Oh man, can I do top three? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Prince, Purple Rain. Great choice. Yes. We're all shaking our heads here, like hell yeah. <laughs> Queensryche's Operation Mindcrime. Okay, good okay. one. And Faith No More's Angel. Oh, Dark. that's a really wow. good. Wow, you just uh, shocked us. That was yo. You seriously just dropped three. Yeah, in you a row. Three wasn't expecting any of those gems right there. Hell yeah! All right, and the next one is uh, maybe I have two. It's a loaded question. So the first one is just your favorite movie. Uh, Carpenter's the thing, without a doubt. Hell yeah, one of the all-time greats. And now I got to do one for my own fan service here. Your favorite zombie movie? There you go. Ooh, that's great. <laughs> uh, I will always, always have a nostalgic love for Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Hell yeah. Uh, but of the more recent stuff, I really got a kick out of Train to Busan. Train to Busan was awesome. And yeah. it, there, there's one that's on uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime right now. I don't know if you saw us, but it's called The Night Eats the World, I believe. Uh, I've seen it, but I haven't watched it yet. The thing that I, I appreciate about this, and I think you will as well, and I definitely think you should check it out, is that it really focuses in on the the isolation that one has in these events and what they do to pass time and get by and how you can go kind of stir-crazy. It was a very intimate setting for being like a low-budget horror film. Um, that one, I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So I would definitely I recommend check checking out. that one out. So is there anything else you want to plug or promote and where people can find you? Uh, I got a new novel in stores right now. It's called Hole in the World. Uh, if you're a fan of Agatha Christie's, Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. Okay. It's uh, it's And Then There Were None with Dinosaurs and Killer Robots. That's, that, I'm, I'm in. I'm signed up. With, you I'm put in. one of those things in, I'm in. You put two, both of them in a, mo- a book or a movie, I'm in. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you can find me at briankeen.com. Well, Brian, I got to tell you again, it was uh, a tremendous honor for me. I was always hoping to meet, catch you at a con- one of the conventions in Jersey at some point. So just even getting to speak with you as such a, a longtime fan is a tremendous, tremendous honor for me. Well, absolutely, uh, guys. And, and listen, if you ever, uh, ever want to make the drive three hours south to Pennsylvania, uh, we'll have you on my podcast. We'll do a crossover episode. Uh, dude, that would be fantastic. Yes. I mean, we're in North Sick. Jersey. Um, we're in Passaic. Uh, I'm in West Melford, Pompton. So I got family that lives right in um, Carbondale, Pennsylvania. So, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so, um, yeah, that would be – we, dude, you have no idea how much of a thrill that would be for me. So we should definitely set something like that up in, uh, over the sp- spring and summertime. Yeah, dude. All right, sounds good. All right, Brian, thanks so much, man. You have a great day, all right? All right, guys. And, and Tyler? Yeah, Taylor. 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 <laughs> Taylor. Listen, it's been, listen, it's been happening my whole life. It doesn't help that my best friend in the world is named Tyler, so it's fine. Go ahead, Brian. Taylor. Yeah. Read a book this week, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will. I'm not even joking because I. Like, Give I, him two weeks. He's a slow reader. No, like, I, I really want to like, like catch up with the Rising series. I'll let you borrow him. Yeah, please. I, I want it. All right, Brian. Thanks right, again so care, much, guys. man. Thank you so much, sir. All right. All right. Bye bye. Later. All right, and that was uh, Brian Key, man. That was uh, called me Tyler. Yeah, and we just got invited to be on his podcast, which is that was so cool, dude. dude that was for me, man. I'm like giddy right now. I know you are, and you uh, should be. That was cool. The yeah, man's ass to whip, and I got alcohol to drink. <laughs> uh, you know what you need? The Stone Cold. Is that supposed to be sexy? Yeah. <laughs> no, man. That was really cool. Um, again, Brian Keene. You should definitely check out Rising. I wish everyone could dead. see him right now, dude. He's fangirling. So yeah, no, hard. that it's was awesome. that was, dude. Like the only one that I might fangor fangoy fangirl more ah, about. Fangool. Fangor- Girl, mullet more about is Stephen King. That one I would probably stutter through. 
Um, so yeah, for sure. It's uh, again Brian Keene uh, wrote two of my favorite no- favorite novels in The Rising and the City of the Dead. Just to have him on, uh, he just emailed me. He said that was awesome. So great job to Taylor and Josh who just nodded in an agreement on things. Well, <laughs> it's what you're well, supposed to do anyway. Well, yeah, well I was gonna say kind it's of my job. It's one of those things. Where, like, yeah. It's one of those things. What, where, like, what, what you, exactly do you do here? <laughs> well, you know, I press the button and sounds come out. Can you press the button right now? Uh, Go. Pick one. Screw you! You're fired! <laughs> 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 nah, but I, I, I didn't want to like, because I, I, I wanted you to do your thing because I know what a massive fan you are. Yeah, so no, that was, like, that. I appreciate that, man. That was really cool. The fact that he invited us to be on his podcast, we will make that trip for sure. Was, I, was that, not expecting that. No, that I'll go there and I'll nod and it'll be a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll just <laughs> come in with Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> No, that that was awesome, man. So again, check out Brian Keene if you're a horror fan. Please read Rising in the City of the well, Dead. Um, I was gonna say, like, just from talking to him and seeing like the passion he has for the genre itself, it like it makes me legitimately want to read The Rising again and yeah. do that whole series. I, if you want them, I got them inside, uh, yeah, and I'll let you real. borrow them. Um, and I got to read the the I, last one that came out. I didn't even I I read selected scenes of the end of the world. I didn't know he wrote one called Deliverance, and now he has one coming out called The Fall, which he said is gonna be the longest, which is awesome. I can't. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. All right, let's get into more dumb shit. I'm there. I'm in. Let's <laughs> so do it. we last talked about. Okay, so do you guys hear who the next James Bond is likely to be? Uh, it's not Army Hammer, is it? <laughs> He's playing... No. Oh, Batman. No. Oh, that's sorry. <laughs> uh, have you heard, Josh, who's the favorite right now? To uh, be I only man? heard about the favorite for the villain. Uh, Rami Malek? Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking after Danny Boyle. Because Rami Malek's going to be the villain in the next uh, Daniel oh, Craig no, one. I haven't heard. The favorite right now, and I actually like this, and it's funny, we were just talking about 28 Days Later, Cillian Murphy. Um, he'd be the first... He, um, the Scarecrow in Batman Begins. Oh, um, fuck yeah, dude. He'd be the first Irish Bond since Sean Connery. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, you know what? He's a great actor. And it would really be, a, it, it's another dude. unconventional one. And I like that they went from Pierce Brosnan to a completely different looking Bond. And now they'd be going to a completely different looking Bond as well. Pierce Brosnan sucked. Oh, he's probably, honestly, oh, he has one good movie. No, it's true. Gold, GoldenEye rules. GoldenEye, GoldenEye yeah. is good. Every die other Another mo- Day is awful. Dude, the scene. Wait, wait, what's, what's the Can you put with... the surfing die another day I, w- scene? I was going to say, in the invisible car. <laughs> no, when he's surfing on the tidal wave. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> die another day. Literally, uh, he jumps onto a tidal wave and he's surfing. I mean, well, there, I just love Pierce Brosnan because it just be GoldenEye alone. GoldenEye is great, but I think we love the movie more. Yeah, here it is. Well, I, I, I love uh, I love the game more. Than well, the game, the yeah, exactly. The game is significantly better than the movie. And then whoever played his odd job, you were an asshole. Uh, yeah, you can't play his odd job. Um, but Cillian Murphy could be a very interesting Bond. Um, it's the thing is like Bond always goes through weird phases, and in our lifetime, this has been the best phase of Bond, even with Quantum of Solace and um, Spectre not being as good. Casino Royale and Skyfall are so friggin' good. Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> he surfs a tsunami. Well, like that just looks like a regular surfing thing. But doesn't he have like the fucking? Well, he's a parachute. Yeah, yeah he's like parachute. So if you guys have never seen Die Another Day, it, this is one of the worst Bond movies. It's yeah. the worst of the Pierce ones, which is saying a lot because Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough are not very good. Yeah. Um, like in the one, I don't remember which one it was, but the the villain was a newspaper guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna get you with my newspapers. <laughs> so I remember Denise Richards was the Bond girl in one of them when she was like the hottest thing in Hollywood. Right. Halle Berry was the Bond girl in this one. Madonna did a terrible Bond song for this movie wow. as well. Like, and then Pierce comes in on like an iceberg that he surfs on. I think is right. it a piece of ice that he surfs on, Josh? I'm pretty sure. I think it this is. is just tsunami surfing. Yeah, I think I don't think uh, this is, jump just... forward just a little bit, just to where Pierce comes in. Let, uh, let's see. Now it looks like it's Normandy. 
No. Let's see. Go forward a little more. No, no, he, that's him. All right, there's Pierce. That wasn't the right one. Oh, well. It's a different surfing scene. It, either way, it's terrible. Um, but, yeah, Cillian well, as, Murphy. As, as far as having that guy, like, now knowing, like, I, I just don't know names half the time, but he has that He has that face. He has that presence. I feel like that that could work in a Bond role. Again, you know what I mean? And yeah, and no, I, I think uh, he looks that's like the, more of the, 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 yeah, the top one. one the top <laughs> one. Wait, here it is. Yeah, Josh is on it right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pierce Brosnan is scaling a uh, the, the the wall in the north, <laughs> the, the, the Night's Watch, <laughs> and uh, then he's the, the, the look. It literally Raider. explodes. <laughs> he fucking holy shit! It is the wall. <laughs> it's literally the wall from Game of Thrones collapses with the sun peeking through, and he says, "You know what? Here we go." <laughs> so the ice shelf collapses, and he jumps. He's on like a, a canoe. It looks like, and he's like, "All right, I gotta get, I gotta surf this up." quick Dude, the CGI <laughs> is so bad. oh it, it's especially bad John Tao Jun Tao shows up on screen Jun Tao Jun Tao <laughs> <laughs> see this surfing scene. Dude, you guys you... have never seen this. Wait, <laughs> he launches from a parachute somehow. Oh my god! Like, okay, realistically, he's not tied down to anything. The parachute would just lift him in the air. That's it, yeah. Look at this. <laughs> Literally, yeah, it's he, a ninety degree angle yeah, parachute it's surf straight scene. Straight down. Yo, and he's dodging icebergs in the middle of Yo, it. Yo, he's doing like a slalom on a on a fucking parasailing oh. surfboard on a tsunami. Oh my god! <laughs> and this was supposed to be like they said the best bond in years. Yeah, was no, it? No shot. No. Look at that. Wait. Sick jump, dude. X Games, bro. <laughs> dude. Dude, it's so fucking dumb. But look, look at him land so gracefully. Yeah, he's stupid. like, all right. I was Got just it. riding a tsunami, and the tsunami suddenly stopped. Dude, like right here, right? He's officially take blown away. Yeah, like, exactly. There's no way he, that He's happens. gone. Dude, think about the fact that he's holding the parachute <laughs> with his hands. <laughs> the fucking force would rip his arms yeah, out of the socket. It would cut through the skin to the bone, most likely. <laughs> Especially with, like, because that's that nylon string. Yeah, that's exactly. It'll you up, fuck dude. you up, man. Oh, that's funny, dude. That is pretty Pierce, great. Yeah, Pierce, we love him for GoldenEye more than anything. And he was in some good Bond games on PS2 yeah, for as sure. well. Um, So the other night when we got home, we hung out with uh, Ears and her boyfriend. And we get home, and we were going to watch Game of Thrones, and I'm like, my internet's not working. I'm like, son of a bitch. And then, like, we were like, we just got to watch TV. And, like, half the channels aren't working. And then I realized, holy shit, we are pathetic that I can't figure out what to do without a streaming option. Right. Or, it's like, yeah, I have a Blu-ray player, but I don't want to get up and put a Blu-ray in. So much effort, dude. To so, get up this. Like, to think about, like, how much we how shitty we are and how uncivilized we are now we couldn't figure out what to do so landlord went to sleep and i was like oh i'm gonna watch uh wonder women on uh, on commercials on tbs oh i'm just like wow like that's where we got to and i'm thinking like in 2000 when really you didn't have you had no streaming options you had vcrs for the most part still and you had like hbo and hbo2 if you were lucky and how did we end up getting by with that then compared to now uh, I think because like, we we weren't as Josh. What as do you do are. if you go home and your internet's out the rest of the day? What are you gonna do? Well, uh, the options are limited. There's no no internet. There's nothing to beat off to. <laughs> um, um, your phone. You can still get on the internet. I have Sprint, so I get very good service. <laughs> he doesn't want to use his data. <laughs> um, yeah, what are you going to do? Like, what? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I'm just going to go to think, sleep. Think about it. Probably, probably, probably go to sleep. I mean, or, like, or you, that you were just told you had to read. I do. Yeah, Brian told me I had to. So <laughs> it's, no, I, I was shocked. I was like, holy shit! Like, wow. And I'm also thinking, like, what am I going to do when if there's no GPS ever? I'm fucked. I can't get around anywhere. <laughs> I, I see. I, I'm lucky because my can job. You read I, a map? I, I ha yeah, I can read a map. I'm not even. Like, you can't read a book, but you can read. A map. It's not that hard to read a fucking map. We know you, don't read, the, you, we know you don't read the nutritional facts. No shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, he looks how many grams of sugar. And I just sit there like, all. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was um, very uh, upset the other night about that, and I sat there watching Wonder Woman, and then commercial breaks. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go try to take a shit. And I didn't have to. I just tried. And <laughs> yeah. Now I have hemorrhoids. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's another... Re- there's actually a couple more reboots in the works. Uh, one of which is that probably should be happening is uh, the reboot of Suicide Squad. Now, I remember how hyped you were for Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. And was. I remember when the first trailer dropped, you were hyped. I'm like, dude, this doesn't look good. You're yeah, like, it was terrible. I was like, what about Jared Leto? And then you saw it. You're like, whoa, Jared Leto sucked. Yeah. I, I was more mad that they cut him out completely, but I see why they he did saw, it now. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know what's Will funny? Smith was the best part. The, Will Smith's the best part, and he's getting recast in the next one with Idris Elba. I'm in! Count me Fair. in! It's Idris being directed by the Guardians of the Galaxy director, James Gunn. So are they just pretending that the other one never happened? Comple- exactly. I completely good. different. Oh, yeah. I think, I think Margot, I still Rob- watched Margot Robbie might be in it because they're making Birds of Prey with her right now. Yeah. She her, she was pretty good. She was good. I still didn't... I, I don't think Harley Quinn translates the film very well. It's a very animated character, yeah. so it's yeah. very different. And it was one that was made up for the animated series. There wasn't a comic book of Harley Quinn before Batman the Animated Series. It, it, that's the 100% truth. It came from Batman the Animated Series. Right. And uh, I think it'll be smart if they change the tone. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's tough. It, it, they, I, I, I Viola like, Davis was also good in Suicide Squad. I just Squad. think there's so many different like iterations of like different like Batman villains and oh, all this well, stuff that it, it's hard to keep up sometimes. And, oh, well, I mean, yeah, you also didn't grow up with the Burton ones like I did. No, not Your really. Your first like, film introduction was Batman Begins, most likely. Like, yeah. You had seen... Or well, Batman and Robin. Well, not, well, Batman and Robin for sure, and then I remember... I was really young when I saw uh, which one Danny DeVito was Batman Penguin. Returns That's, which was 1991 yeah but like I saw that like 2000 2001 yeah. and that, that one still. Danny DeVito as Penguin was incredible right um, Josh you saw a movie this week that was all that's big in the news and is making all kinds of money what movie did you see Josh I saw Captain Marvel and you were extremely excited for Captain Marvel I was so tell us your thoughts on Captain Marvel I'm going today to go see it sorry yeah. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't listen so, it's so not that I don't thing, believe you um, but I don't believe you so here's the thing. Like I said in my tweets, it's an entertaining movie. These right. Marvel movies are all entertaining. Even the bad even, ones are. Even, Thor The Dark World's entertaining. Iron Man 2 and 3 are entertaining. They're they- fun to watch. You know, you don't waste your money if you go see it in the movie theater, but there's little to no replay value in some of them. Which has been right. my complaint about a lot of the MCU and, stuff over the last few and years. I'm a, can, I go, can I go full spoilers? Please. I, couple- I, I, don't, I don't care either way. Yeah. Okay. So spoiler alert to uh, all of our listeners. Uh, if you haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, I'm about to dive in a little bit. Uh, for so it. for me... There's a couple of different things that I take away from this movie. So first of all, as a comic book reader, as a Marvel comic book reader, the Skrulls are one of the best groups. Villain entities. Of of a villainous nature in any of the comics. So the Secret Wars, the Secret Invasion, Mm. all comes directly from the Skrulls. They want to come in, they want to infiltrate, they want to take over. The Skrulls in Captain Marvel are a uh, a refugee race that are on the run from... (laughs) They're, right. they're a race of refugees that are on the run from the Kree. <laughs> That's, uh, and as you know about the Kree, yeah. the Kree are good. So they've yeah, right. basically taken these two things, these two entities, and they flipped the script. The Skrulls are uh, the downtrodden. They're the good guys. The Kree are the they're bad Syrian guys, refugees. the conquerors, the takeovers. Um, so the first half of the movie, she is on the run from the Kree. Uh, or not the crazy. She's on the run from the scrolls. They're trying to get her because there's some memories that are locked away in her brain that they need to it's get like, away. It's like a Marvel Memento movie. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like Desmond. Only Miles. it's going forward. It's not going backward. Yeah. But uh, and then halfway through the movie, the 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 leader of the scrolls uh, meets up with her and says, "Hey, listen, this whole thing's a big misunderstanding. We're not trying to hurt you. We just need your help." <laughs> 
So okay. the Mandarin in Iron Man three, basically, yeah, right. they took this and, iconic villain and made it comic relief. And he's afraid of cats. Well, he's not really afraid of cats. So you'll learn about is he the, the cat. mummy. No, you'll learn about <laughs> the cat. The cat in the movie is not really a cat, right? Was, was Billy Zane in the movie? No, Billy, I don't need <laughs> Billy to see Zane it. wasn't in the movie. Oh um, so there's some comic relief there because when the cat walks up to him, and you don't know that the cat's not a cat yet, right. and he's what? like, Whoa, Wait, he turns into sand and floats out the window. <laughs> <laughs> um, How many mummy references can I fit into Josh's review? Keep going, I'll say. So, as the movie goes on, you start to learn a couple of things. You start to basically have uh, Endgame spoiled for you because you can kind of see that she's going to be... She finds the Book of the Dead. Yes, she yes, finds okay. the Book of the Dead. You can kind of see that she's going to be the thing that is the key to beating Thanos right. for them. Uh, so, is, is biggest, a... biggest spoiler uh, of the okay, movie right here is that her powers come from the Tesseract. Um, so, Marvell. Uh, Carvel? Marvel. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, is a scientist who's working on a light speed engine to help the scrolls get away from the Kree. And the power that powers the light speed engine comes from the Tesseract. Okay. So basically, she is posing as a shield scientist to get access to the Tesseract, because as we know from uh, the first Avengers movie, after the Tesseract was found after Captain America, the, the, the first Avenger, Howard Stark picked yep. it up and it became. Correct. Property of Shield. Right. Yeah. So she's got the Tesseract on loan from Shield, and the big reveal of the movie that the Kree are the bad guys is when Yonrog, who is played by the horrendous Jude Law. Oh, Jude Law stinks always. Uh, is actually the bad guy. She has a flashback. Jude Law was not in the Mummy. <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel has a flashback. Um, where she's in like, a test like Evie did in the Mummy Returns exactly. when she saw herself. She's as in a, a test flight. <laughs> Hey Benny, <laughs> yeah, she's in a test flight with Marvell of this uh, of this this plane that is being powered by the um, the light speed engine. Butt stuff. They get attacked by Yon Rog. They get shot down. Oh. Uh, Annette Benning, who plays Marvell, dies in the scene. Oh, I'm so bored. Uh, and I'm seeing it today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and Yon so Rog comes up and he says to Brie Larson's character that uh, he just wants the uh, you the were core. great in the Academy Award winning film Room. <laughs> He just wants the core from the lightspeed engine, and she picks up Marvel's gun. And she goes, "This core," and she oh. shoots it, and the thing explodes, and she gets a blast of tesseract energy, and her body absorbs the energy from the tesseract. So they she's like Loki's scepter walking. Yeah. So he, so Yon Rog says, "Well, we'll just take her with us because she's got this tesseract energy now. We can use her." They take her to. Uh, and then CGI Rock came out as the Scorpion King, and yep, the movie yep, ended. Yep. And then they take her, they take it to their home world. They brainwash her. They put this inhibitor chip on the back of her neck that doesn't really let her use her full. Kind of like when they Loki touched people with the scepter in the first yeah. Avengers, and, and, and then took the off. and then there's a scene at the end of the movie. Now this is a very disjointed review, uh, but I'm just kind of remembering things as they come to my brain. So it sounds so like it was a very ordinary film. Yeah. That, so we get to the end of the movie, thinking. and this is to me one of the things that kind of made it like, oh, it's one of these. So they capture her. The the the, uh, the, the the Cree the Cree being led by Yon Rog captures her. Uh, they plug her into the, the Matrix. Basically, they plug her into the Matrix so she could talk to the AI leader of the Cree, the Supreme Intelligence, who takes the form of Marvel to her. And it starts to try to imprison her within the Supreme Intelligence, and she uses... Boring. She uses her heart and her emotions and her want to help the Skrulls to break out of this prison that they've put her in, break the inhibitor chip off of her neck, and have full access to her Super Saiyan Captain Marvel powers, which she then uses to destroy... All of the Kree soldiers that are on the ship with her and the Skrulls help the Skrulls off, and then 
Ronan the Accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy 1 shows up with his big space fleet, and she uses her Super Saiyan Captain Marvel powers to fly through the ships so and destroy the last them. Jedi. <laughs> the exactly. That's exactly what she did. The the it wasn't with a ship or anything. It was with her body. <laughs> <laughs> Flying so. through the ships, destroying them. And Ronan just kind of turns and leaves. He goes, not today. He nopes the fuck out. Yep, he nope. does a King Tom and is like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the thing, one of the things I heard that's very disappointing is that the chemistry between Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson was like non-existent. That their scenes kind of sucked. <sighs> and you find out how he lost his eye, which people were like, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to know? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm actually because I had no interest in seeing it until you told me it wasn't good, and now I want to see it. I'm one of the few people you'll ever meet that is more inclined to watch a movie once you say it sucks. So the cat <laughs> yeah. that's not really a cat. Um, he this has is Harry Potter with yeah. scabbers. He has a. He has a. He, 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 he develops a relationship tomato. through the throughout the movie with the cat. Like he's fucks it. It's, yeah, basically. <laughs> so you think about Nick Fury. You think about Nick Fury through all these movies, right? <laughs> And, uh, you know, he doesn't have, like, you know, emotions. You know, he's not very playful. He's a super serious yes, guy. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> as soon as he sees this cat, you know, it's like, oh, who's a cute kitty? You know, so, like, it's literally, throughout the entire movie, he's, like, talking like a baby to this cat, right? And then at the end of the movie, you find out the cat is an alien. I forget what it's called, but its mouth opens up. Uh, like, like Predator? Like Predator, and fucking tentacles come out, and it, and it eats the Tesseract, so the uh, bad guys can't get the Tesseract. And then... They're flying back to Earth. You've completely lost me. They're flying back to Earth, and he's like, oh, who's a good kitty? Who's a good kitty? And the cat scratches his eye out. That's awesome. So, you might call it cat scratch fever. <laughs> I gotta be ding myself for being anyway, an offensive. So, the visuals jerk. are great, as oh, as yeah, they all... Uh, yeah. As is expected with these Marvel movies. It's an entertaining watch. The action is good. The fight scenes are good. Right. The, the, the main character of the movie has no character. The, the villain stinks. The villain stinks. So and it sounds like the like Thor two, yeah, <laughs> Thor two. Sounds like, like sounds like Troll two. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is her character. This is her character. Oh my um, god! <laughs> this is her character. So she is she's a woman who's really? a, who's in who's in uh, an amazing fighter who makes some witty quips. I mean, I I read a review that I think I is most in line with my thoughts on this movie. The headline of the review was "No wonder, just woman." <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. See, that makes me want to see it more, knowing it's not that good. Uh, um, I don't want to go anymore. It's, <laughs> I, might, see, I might just, I might just go wait see, till it comes. Go, see, well, the, go I, see the Page movie, Fighting With My Family. That's supposed to be really good. I just, uh, yeah, it'd be I, fine. It's supposed to, and Nick Frost is well, in it. My, yeah, Nick Frost. Did you hear the Rock's like, in it? What? Did you hear the Rock is in yeah, that movie? He, no, he's the did one that like, made it. Did you ever smell what he's cooking? I don't know. <laughs> what, did, what did he ever I, cook? Ah, uh, you... You're, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's and that's the other he, thing I heard. I think Brie Larson's a good actress. I don't see her having the charisma in this he kind could, of role. Kevin Hart's movie career. She's great. She, I, uh, in I'm her sure. dramatic roles, she is she's, amazing. She's always a good. Yeah. She's good in comedies. But, you know, the thing with this movie is it's supposed to be kind of like a high energy, you know, you know, like, high energy, and charming, charming, and it's supposed to have a little bit of humor in it. And she just, to me, she misses the mark on the humor part of it. Yeah, I, the one thing I did see that's cool, and I, I saw this posted last night, I guess in one scene she's wearing a Nine Inch Nails shirt, like a vintage one, yeah. and now Nine Inch Nails is selling on their website the logo in the Captain Marvel logo. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's I'm pretty like, cool. that's cool. Like, the fact that Trent Reznor is uh, people, on People that roll with it and don't get pissy when they use their, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, like, dude, well, I know Trent, would get pissed Trent with is, like Trent's that. really cool, man, yeah. and he's such a, a big part of that. Well, I was going to say, he's all, like, I remember for the longest time he was typecast as like a jerk-off, but he never really... He's, he's just he's very just particular. Well, I also think he holds himself to a very high standard. 
mean? He's what, high standardly so. He's one of the great composers in film right now, too. Oh, when you look at the scores he's done, he did that Vietnam War documentary. He did the score on it, the Ken Burns one. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. And they used like some Nine Inch Nails song and he put twists on them for it. That's he nice. did the Social Network uh, soundtrack. He's done a bunch of his, his score work is incredible on film. That's awesome. Um, and Gone Girl, he did the score for it. There's another reboot that's coming around. That, what do we got? That this is a big rumor, what? and this one I know is not going to make any of us happy. Okay. Um, Rush Hour. Leave oh, it alone. boo. Why? A female boo. reboot of boo. Rush Hour. Boo. It's not even the fact that it's female. Who's Why that, do you have to reboot it? Who's that chick that's in, uh, the, the black chick that's in, um, the, she's a really popular one now that's like outlandish. I'm forgetting her fucking name. She's in a ton of stuff. She was in the, look up the What Men Want. She's the star of that, the remake of What Women Want. Um, but from a man's, that, that's not a bad idea, but I'm sure it wasn't very good. Um, what's her fucking name? Uh, Tajari Hansen. Tajari Hansen, right? That's her name? Yeah. Uh, okay. So she's rumored to play the Chris Tucker role because, um, you want to talk about racism? Just, <laughs> you could do any race here. Just an outlandish person. But you got to go with the $15 allowed. $15 million. Dollars. What do you think you got? Chelsea Clinton? Chelsea Clinton? Chelsea Carter? Chelsea Carter. <laughs> and I don't know who the, the Asian woman they want to cast. But why? I like all three Rush Hour movies. Three. I was surprised at how funny it was. It, was it made really me funny. laugh. And Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan, that chemistry was so natural yeah. and worked so well. Those movies are still funny. I watch those anytime. Dude. They're so blatantly racist, uh-huh. <laughs> but funny. The karaoke you mean Tito. scene. The karaoke scene. <laughs> you mean Tito? What's Tell up? us what we had last Bye. night for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I and this is my problem. It's a, here. It's a cigarette. Okay. No, first off, weed. if you want to remake it with different actors, that doesn't bother me as much. But this is where you're going to get pushback, and it goes back to the Ghostbusters thing. Don't just cast women to cast women. If you want to make a movie that is strong female leads, make an original fucking movie. Like that's why Bridesmaids was so good and so popular because it was original. It wasn't a remake. Right. It was fun. It was funny. The girls had good chemistry. Mm-hmm. I don't even like all the girls in that movie. That movie will make me laugh my ass yeah. off. Brides- I love that movie. Bridesmaids is hilarious. By the way, dude, I, I love Don Cheadle in Rush Hour. What do you think? Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I forgot he has a small. I've watched I, both all those movies in years. Dude, like the, the the bloopers at the end of the movies like almost made the movie even oh, better. Well, that's every Jackie like, Chan movie. They well, had I, to have bloopers. That was like a, an unwritten rule in Hollywood. Yeah. That every Jack, even like the medallion, the yeah. tuxedo. He tuxedo, had, Jesus. Um, there, there was another famous unwritten Hollywood rule. And if you if you watch any of his movies, you'll notice this. Um, it was in all his contracts that any movie Arnold Schwarzenegger was in, his shirt had to come off. And I'm not kidding you. Think of an Arnold movie where his shirt isn't off at some point. Yeah. Think of one. Even in fucking uh, Jingle All the Way, when he's changing into the Turbo Man doll outfit. Shirt's off. It was like a rule in Hollywood. Where oh, was it in Kindergarten Cop? I'm, uh... When he's getting changed at the police station. Okay, okay, yeah. Kindergarten Cop does rule. It, it does. It's just like, it's uh, subtle. It's not yeah. like they made a, yeah. So, and there's things, going back to the whole reboot thing, there's ideas of doing remakes where it's a similar premise, but it's a little bit different. They're, they're actually, they're still talking about making a sequel to Twins, but there's something similar to Twins coming out with Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage, where they're twi- twin brothers. And however that's going to work. Funny idea. Josh Brolin's this big, like, man's man, and Peter Dinklage is a fucking thing you can punt. And he's a fucking little abomination. All right. Um, there was, uh, Joe Rogan did upset me this week when he was Why? talking about Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Why? What did he Uh-oh. say? He said it's transphobic. I, he went, no, you know what? He wasn't. He wasn't saying like it, it's. A, he was watching it with his young son, and then the scene at the end that's making fun of uh, the, 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 cry, the crying game when Ace is puking and he puts the plunger to his face right. and <laughs> he's crying. And then, of course, when Rogan talked about it, all these articles around with it, people outraged about Ace Ventura, and sure enough, now it's it's, it's transphobic, uh, blah blah blah, because of that whole scene. First off, 
Einhorn wasn't a tranny. He was someone that was hot, covering, wanted revenge, became a woman to get back at the people that ruined his life after right. he missed the field goal. It wasn't this angle where that he gun lived, is digging into my hip. Yeah, that's why I never got the surgery. Your gun is digging into my hip, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I will never be mad at Ace Ventura. If you want to get mad at that, the amount of movies we have to go back and criticize from the Jerk, the Blazing Saddles, dude, the jerk. Animal, Animal House, a million of them. Tiny Animal House is probably the worst one out oh of all God. of them. Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds. They put cameras in the girl's uh, fucking sorority house to Dude. watch him. There's a scene where the Asian kid goes, oh, hair pie. <laughs> like, it's a million things you couldn't get away with. But transphobe, yes, he was puking because he made out with the man. Not that he made out with the tr- uh, transgender person. It wasn't a transgender. It was a person that became a woman to get revenge. And right. people seem to gloss over the fact well, because they just assume that it's a man that is posing as a woman. Well, That's what it is. You also have to take into account like how just ridiculous the entire movie is in yeah, general. Yeah, of like, course. He's looking for a dolphin. He finds a diamond from a Super Bowl ring or an AFC championship ring because Dan Marino has never won a Super Bowl uh-huh. but AFC championship ring in the thing and he starts talking like he's in Star Trek while he's in the tank going <laughs> I can't do it Captain. Captain I don't have the power yeah like there's so no, many you know, his windshield gets cracked I am trainer of Dolphin seven yeah I am trainer and, of Dolphin and if you don't realize that's <laughs> ridiculous and you still look, you think it's just a regular comedy it's go Jim, watch Ace Ventura dude, too. you want to see where it's hello? Jim Carrey Bumble, Bumblebee tuna your balls are showing earthquake <laughs> test dude the earthquake test is the best <laughs> he's doing spit Balls to the guy. Yeah. Grimeigan, what does that mean? Why Did he say I... white devil, white devil? Wait. And you must be the Monopoly guy. <laughs> Thanks for the free parking. <laughs> Those movies Dude. are fucking great. Hilarious. Like, it's it, the fact that people want to criticize Ace Ventura as being transphobic. Get the fuck over yourself. Shut up. I, you gotta you gotta take it at face value. It's just a funny fucking it's a, movie. It's a movie. Who cares? Come on. It's like Dan Marino, like like they're practicing how to block with Dan Marino. Tied to the yeah, fucking sled. It, it, it's great. No, he's filming a commercial yeah. where they're blocking and then they just carry him out. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so, guys, oh, you went too far, huh? The, the last story I have, uh, it's going back to the Lord of the Rings series on Amazon that's coming out. And they okay. officially announced what time, at, what era it's going to take place in. What era? Um, it's going to be the Second Age, which, and it's officially going to be Young Zaron and the forming of the rings. Um, I mean, so, it makes sense. And then the battle of Sauron, where he's finally defeated by the king. Well, I, um, I was going to say, because that's that's the whole, the, the, the last alliance of men the, and elves. Did they see any of the announcements about what the budget is like for the show? No. It's like it's double massive. what Game of Thrones' highest season ever is. Wow. They're which, putting which, insane uh, money into it. it well, I mean, the, the last season, uh, season eight coming out, is probably the highest, is, is the highest I think the, of money I read it's $10 million an episode for yeah. season eight. Really? That's I, I could have sworn it was more. I thought they were pushing twenty five, or that was. Like I think original it's ten million per episode, not counting cost for no, actors. I'm saying like think, it was like original speculation. Like wh- when yeah, uh, season seven ended, they're like it's gonna be twenty five million dollars. Yeah, I mean, generally, the most expensive seasons are gonna be the ones that are the longest. Right. And this is only what six episodes, but each one's six about an seven. hour and a half or so. Yeah, they're long. Yeah, it costs ninety, so it's a li- about fifteen million each per episode yeah. for Game of Thrones, so, which but, is and it's still a lot. So and so this Lord of the Rings budget is gonna be wild. I just I hope with that amount of money and that amount of resources that they don't fumble this. I don't think they, they will. They have all the resources at their disposal. I think that's why. I think if you, they didn't have that budget, they'd probably fumble it. Absolutely. And I think they, the best thing I could do is watch the, Lord, the Peter Jackson's films a bunch of times over. Don't watch the Hobbit movies at all. 
Well, no. no. Don't watch them at all. That's a recommendation, not just if you're well, making no, this well, series. Well, even... If you're a person, don't watch the Hobbit no, movies. No, well, the, the, the <laughs> Hobbit movies, like to the source material, is actually not terrible. No, they're just not good movies. It's it's I, the Desolation of Smog is fun. That's about it. It's okay. But... It's it's the most the, the, no, se- the, the no, second one. The yeah, second the one second is one. the best. I still haven't watched the third one because I watched the you're, second one and I'm really not missing much. I liked the second one, but I felt no desire to watch a follow up. I was like, well, it, it was, the first one was a piece of shit. I don't like any of them. I don't want to do singing with dwarves where. Bill was like, come but, on in, but guys. That's why, Everything's no, good. It, it's in the book, so they they, they, they stay I know true it is, to the source material. That's why there's certain there's okay. There's, it's actually more true to the source material only because the Lord of the Rings is just massive, and the Hobbit is just this children's book. So obviously, that's, that's one thing to be, you could do. It could have been two movies. It, it should have been. Need, it didn't even need two movies. movies. It could have been one movie. Nah, it should have been two. Yeah, because you didn't need the singing scene. You did not need. I know it's in the book. You didn't need it. The Ant Wives were in the Lord of the Rings book. Did the movie suck without them? No, exactly. You could have cut out the fucking sing along with dwarves. Well, I sorry. I will say. From what, like, Why did one, Legolas need to be in the movies? He wasn't in the books. No, he really wasn't in the exactly. books. Exactly. Why did they need the little... Well, I, I will say the one thing that annoyed me was that they, they wrote in the She-Elf character. And they, well, they, they wrote that, that in. The other things I don't like about it is writing in unnecessary tension... That supposed to feel like Lord of the Rings because right. that's not in the Hobbit book. No, at not all. really. It's, I mean, the, well, you don't get it till literally the Battle of Five, like the Battle exactly, of Five Armies. Exactly. But but this that's series, about it. Or like I, the, I am super excited to see what yeah, they do fun. with the with Sauron. To actually see Sauron well, in action. Well, if if you're like they're gonna do the Second Age, the Last Alliance of Men, and then you, I want to see who they're gonna cast as a Seal Door, the guy who actually cuts the ring off. Yeah, that'll Orendil, be interesting. Uh, uh, Elrond, uh, basically all, all the major characters that you don't hear of, of from the Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? But from back then, so that's something that could be pretty cool. I, I just, I don't want it to be bad because like I not. said, with all, with everything they have at their disposal, they have every right to knock this out of the park. That's my only major concern. Absolutely. With a budget like that, you can't, you can't. No, you can't fumble it. You can't, you can't. Do And it. I don't think they will. Amazon does a pretty good job with their series overall. Yeah, they're like, pretty um, good. Even though I, I watched some of the, the, the Man in the High Castle yeah. and that one, it, it was good. I just thought it could have been a little bit better paced yeah it was a little slow but the premise of it's amazing well I would say the same thing too with the uh, the, the the show John Krasinski's in on Amazon. oh yeah yeah Jack, that's, that's um, not bad. Jack Ryan Jack, Jack Ryan Jack Reed yeah, Jack no Jack Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. Um, so Josh I know you're excited about this but um, the last season of Into the Badlands is starting up we're fucking hyped for oh, it oh dude dude it, the last season was amazing and it's gotten better and better each time and you're probably the biggest fan of us we only really started watching it we because agreed to yeah. a lot but how after I caught backed up on it and then mm-hmm. you were saying how good it was and I fucking flew through I'm probably going to rewatch it so before the last I'm, season starts I'm a big fan of uh, you know kung fu movies oh yeah like, like um, the old school you know, like the old, uh, uh, you know earlier in the 2000s uh, uh, a guy named Tony Ja did a lot of uh, yeah yeah uh, 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 tie fighting movies which are crazy good sure um, and then there's uh, you know just such a history Jet Li. of yeah, oh yeah, Jet Li and uh, you know, Billy Zane, Billy Zane, all those guys. <laughs> but you know, when I first saw the trailers, I was like, "Wow!" You know, it'd be really cool to see a well done TV show where uh-huh. you know Kung Fu was kind of like yeah, and at they, the forefront, and they fucking killed it. A man. lot of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon to it. Great yeah. movie, great movie. It's great. Um, movie. So I'm pretty hyped for that. I do think The Walking Dead's been doing a really good job recently. They debuted Ryan Hurst's character this week. Oh, uh, dude, the beta, he was awesome. Um, well, I was gonna say, as show, far as pull up uh, the uh, pull up Ryan Hurst in The Walking Dead. So, you got to see what he looks well, like. On say, this. Well, so something that's interesting as far as like what's going on in the show, it's like the Whispers. Right? Yes, the Whispers shit they is just, badass. They just in- introduced the Whispers in the final season of the Telltale series of The Walking yes. Dead because. That's Dude, the last thing they're doing. Here, go to the first picture. Look at what he looks like in that because they, he wears the zombie skin. Damn, dude. Yeah, no, it's pretty badass, well, they, man. They, they wear those masks and they walk with them. Right? Yeah, they That's walk the and whisper. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's they, like, well, they, he they, doesn't take his mask off. He, he's, he's the only whisperer who is always in. And his the, mask. the chick really? that plays the alpha is great. Yeah. She's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see where they go with this because oh 
Oh, it's Opie. It's Opie. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't realize that's that. That's Ryan no Hirsch. That's fucking the dude, the, the crippled guy from uh, Remember the Titans. It's Gary Bertier, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're not going to call this hot take anymore because we're not always doing hot takes. Sometimes it's just opinion. So it's the last word. Okay, that's Last fair. word, name of my former podcast. So last word, um, Taylor. Okay. So it, it's funny because I usually don't have a hot take. This week I do. Um I've, and also because David Lee Roth was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast re- very recently, so um, I'm very much uh, a fan of the uh, Van Hagar as opposed to Van Roth. I no way, I no way, shape, or form. I don't have a problem with Sammy say, Hagar. Say, I like Sammy Hagar actually. I, don't I no like way Van think Hagar. that that uh, that David Lee Roth is bad. Those those albums are great. 1984, Diver Down, Van Halen Two are all great records. But Sammy Hagar is a better um, is a much better singer lyricist and performer. Um, okay. David Lee Roth does not have it anymore. So oh, someone no, who has seen that. David Lee Roth, Sammy Hagar at 70 years old is doing better work with chicken I, foot that's, than David Lee Roth is doing with Van no Halen. No one will argue that, but no one will ever convince me that Van Hagar is better than David Lee Roth's Van Halen. Sammy Hagar is a better musician. Come I on. agree with all that, but he did not capture the essence of Van Halen like David Lee Roth did. I don't know, dude. 5150 is one of my all-time favorite records, and it's, it's so good, fucking good. It's good, but it ain't fucking... It ain't Van Halen. It just isn't the same Van Halen. I, it just is not. I, I listen. I understand, and I know Wait, it's a very have much. You a personal opinion, to, have you ever listened? But listen also to... because of the bullshit between Eddie Van Halen being an asshole and treating Sammy like shit when the four records Sammy was on were commercially their most successful fucking records. Yes. No. I actually like Sammy Hagar a lot. He's incredibly He's talented. Awesome. He is as good a replacement you can get for such a rock icon. Like David Lee Roth's a piece of shit. But, and then I my, can't but, stand David no, Lee Roth. No, but then when he took off, they had Gary Sharon. That yeah. was bad. Josh, I need you to pull us up while we're talking. About it. Pull up. Um, Running with the devil, isolated vocals. Dude, it's, you need to hear that. No, it's fucking funny how because all the noises. Ah, ah. That's, that, well, that's what he does, and it's even crazy because in the interview that he did that the whole interview as well. Yeah, or like you gotta uh, do it on the iPad. Uh, um, well, I will say one of my all-time favorite uh, Van Halen songs is "Ice Cream Man." It's a that's great a good song. one. There's no, I don't think Van Hagar sucks at all. I just it might. I just prefer running it. with the devil. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You found it. Uh, it's just the isolated vocals. I dream of reaching my okay, wife. thanks that's for the ad, Josh. That's dream of soul. You need to pay YouTube. for YouTube I bread. Of my t- no, no, no one will. Actually, oh! <laughs> just listen to this. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good, but it's just silly. When you- Dude, he's a fucking whack job. He really is. But I love the noises. Dude, like, let's stuff. do our hot I takes. Live my let's life do our hot takes like over this. <laughs> That's a great song. And turn it down just a little bit, and we'll do our. Well, I was gonna say my whole thing was that like he's such a whack job. Like when they were on Jimmy Kimmel, and he was doing, he was swinging the fucking baton around, broke his nose. They what? put a, they put a bandaid over, and they finished it. Dude, they finished well, the set. Most famous thing I could think of something like that was the VMAs when Nirvana's bass player threw his bass in the air, oh, and it Chris, hit him in the face oh, and knocked Chris him. Yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> Well, like, he does that when he talks, too. You know, oh, but David well, Lee Roth's a very when, interesting character. Do you remember character. when K-Rock thought it would be smart to replace Howard Stern with David Lee Roth? How stupid A guy that, that never did radio? Ever. Or but you, I'm, could cut, I'm, you could cut this. But I, I'm very much... I'm very much of the camp that Sammy Hagar is a is a better frontman than David Lee Roth. I, and I, I, I prefer Sammy Hagar. I, I can David agree Roth. with that on at, at its core. I don't think that Van Hagar is better than Van Halen. Though. I, 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 I like it better. I, I, I like. It I think it, it's it's very obvious to say that downfall of Van Halen came with Sammy Hagar. 
No. The, yeah. No, the downfall of Van Halen came with Eddie Van Halen being a jerk-off. Well, it's part of it, but it, it's... No, that's, there's, that, that's, there's, that's it. But there's a correlation that it, it came around the same time that Sammy Hagar became part of the band because the quality of the music he went down. He was a part of the band for 11 <laughs> years. <laughs> he was a part of the band for 11 yeah, years. Yeah, and they weren't nearly as popular. But he... It's yeah, because, okay. It's because Eddie Van Halen was a jerk off the entire time. Talk shit about Michael Anthony. Talk shit about Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar yeah. couldn't talk about Cabo Wabo on stage because because the brothers invested fifty grand but into it and weren't patient enough. There's no arguing enough. that the quality of the music wasn't as good. They had good stuff, you're, no doubt. No, no, dude, no. you're the only person no. that. Whole, okay, why did Van Halen suddenly dip in popularity when Sammy Hagar became the front man? It doesn't. No, Van Halen never dipped in popularity. What Van Halen dipped in popularity. Van Halen was always gonna be Van Halen. It's a great band through and through. Just because people don't like the front man doesn't necessarily make it bad music. Doesn't make it bad uh, at but, all. But, Sammy Hagar is significantly better singer than, than David Lee Roth. He wasn't, and he's not even a fucking I, whack job I, like I, David I Lee Roth I agree he's is. a better singer, but David Lee Roth's sound was better for Van Halen. That was part of the Van Halen sound. Is it better now? I would much rather listen to David Lee Roth's uh, Van Halen than I would Sammy Hagar's. Have you have you listened to David Lee Roth I, with Van Halen? Did you listen to the newest Van Halen record? No, from because like I'm 10 not a cunt. Ago? Because it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, because I also didn't listen to Sammy I was, Hagar put out three records with Chicken Foot that were. I'm very not talking good. about Chicken Foot, you dumb shithead. I'm telling you what a better musician he is and how about, much better he is. We're not talking about Chicken Foot. We're talking about Van Halen, and literally 89 to 99 percent of fans of Van Halen will say. Yeah, I stopped really getting into them after the first album with Sammy Hagar. Idiots, all of them. They're not idiots. idiots. Yes, they are. No, idiots. you're just the exception to the rule, and your exception happens to be wrong. It's not wrong. It's, it's wrong. Better. It's Josh, thoughts? It's better. If you were making this argument to uh, one of my radio icons, Mike Francesa, this mm. would be his response to you. <sighs> they well, stink! Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, take it from someone who can't fucking despises But guy. was texting me Fuck about him. listening to Mike earlier this week. Well, that's what am I going to listen to? He's, I got nothing I, going I, on. I see what's happening already. He's slowly, like a lot of people, I hate Mike at first. They can't stop listening. Yep. That's what happens. I that's, did, that's how all of them become I fans. turned it on, and he happened to be freaking out because someone said the Kansas City model goes, What is it? Yes. What's the Kansas City well, model? I, I know what the Kansas City model is, that you see draft Pat Mahomes, and then you let, you let him develop. But the other part of the Kansas City model is, because this is what they think the Giants should do, draft a guy and then have him replace Eli next year, right? There's a problem with that. The Chiefs won 22 games with Alex Smith the two years before Pat Mahomes took over. The Giants, the Giants won have, eight. have won eight. <laughs> There's a big difference in talent. All right, Josh, what's your take? Or a fight, last word, excuse me. Okay, so... You should talk about how much better uh, Van Halen is with David Lee Roth. <laughs> so, all of, all of us, as, as people, right? Man, woman, black, white, gay, straight, we transsexual, keep a few of them out, sure. whatever. We all are equal. We all deserve equal footing. It's great that women and people of color are getting these prime That's a roles of opinion. in all of these movies. No, it's no, true. I, I know what you're saying. But right, I know what you're saying. We don't need to say that every movie that is a breakthrough movie, oh yeah, uh, yeah. starring a woman, starring a, a person, person of color, color yeah. is great, and we can't take, and, we can't you, have any if you criticism don't like it, you're towards a sexist this movie. Or a racist, yeah. You know, look at a movie. You know, going back to the Captain Marvel thing. If you look at Captain Marvel versus Wonder Woman, you can't really compare the two. Wonder Woman, two I'm sure, totally was significantly different, better. Two totally different universes, right? Two totally different styles of movie. But Wonder Woman was a great movie. Gal Gadot was great. In that movie, yeah. and Captain Marvel just misses the mark, and a lot of people Smack. are saying that it misses the mark, and 
instantly the Twitter the Twitter mobs are, oh, you're a sexist, you hate that women are starring in movies. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happens. It doesn't need to be like that. We should be able to watch a movie, be subjective about it, and say, you know what, and this we shouldn't movie be called a social justice war really if we not enjoy that something great, as well. Not that great. If you listen, there's definitely people that will only enjoy it because of the social message in it, sure. But if you do like it just because it's a good movie, there's no reason to call someone a social justice war. There's just as many people that want to shit on it because of that, and there's yeah. just as many people that want to like it because of that, and they're all twats. Mm -hmm. um, but you're absolutely right. Um, people are too quick. I mean, why? Every, anytime now that there's a woman in a, a lead, everyone's like, oh, they're forcing us on us. Why didn't they say that with Terminator 1 and 2? Why didn't they, they say that? Like that? Oh, oh, you're oh, you're, 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 you're forcing us. Why are you making me feel I, like I, I got to. It's unbelievable to have a do this. Why didn't they say that with Alien and Ellen Ripley? Why didn't they say it with Sarah Connor and Terminator? But now, I yes, there's definitely well, you more. You also just it. mentioned two of the most iconic. like. But no one ever I mean? complained about it then because right. these are fantasy movies and fantastical arguably unrealistic things can happen yeah sure that's fine but to these people on either side need to prop it up or raise it down like the trolls that need to just go on fucking rotten tomatoes and give negative reviews it's for all no self -esteem reason from the fucking idiots that think that they're that important their really mean they're, something. yeah exactly when you have something educated to say say it and say it well Certainly. but when you start just hating just to hate things you know what i mean like Absolutely. listen i have my opinion Sammy Hagar, Van Halen. Listen, people are obviously going to disagree Wrong. with me, but that, that's that's not true. <laughs> but the but the the huh. point of the matter is, we, we could yell at each other, but the thing is, it, it doesn't impact how having I feel it, about certain things or how things are affecting me. Having an opinion on way. something before it happens is stupid. But like. Uh, it's coming stupid. from you, no, it's no. But I'll openly admit, there's a difference. There, these right. trolls that want to go on and leave. I, no, I, I don't want to see Aquaman, and I'm not going bombarding it with actual reviews. And that's I make what a I'm point saying. to be no. a, a troll about it. All, there's uh, a difference. All you say is like, I don't want to see it. I don't care. I don't, Boom, and the conversation it's, it's fine. is over. That, that's it. That's that, it. That's all there is to right. it. And it, it's it's goofy that like they, they see a woman or a person of color and they roll off social justice stuff and to try to pollute us. You put too much gay people in it, and now our children are going to be gay. But what if they make the frogs? I put a, put a gay in it. Okay. So one of my buddies one of my buddies in a group chat, this is Alex from Canada. He goes, Dan said Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't bad. And he actually put in direct quotes. This movie's good. There's lots of guys kissing dude. The guy's kissing a lot of dudes. I'm like, and you chose to watch it even though you knew. You're upset that there's gay stuff happening. It's not Freddie Mercury, you asshole. Like, what do you think's going to happen? It's not like he's just suddenly eating box in the movie. Come on. All right. Now to my last word. Um, unfortunately, this week it was announced that the greatest Met in uh, franchise history, Tom Seaver, has been diagnosed with dementia. Uh, he will be stepping Sad. out of the public life. Unfortunately, it's during the 50-year anniversary of the 69 Miracle Mets, and uh, he won't be part of the festivities. And, um, you know, Mike Mike Francesa came out today, or uh, yesterday, Friday, I guess, yeah. and said um, the Mets will be doing a statue for him this year. And uh, my idea on that is, um, did the Mets owners have dementia the last fucking 30 years that he should have had a fucking it's, statue? It's a little, the second they open City Field... There should have been a fucking Tom Seaver statue. To me, it's it's too little, too late. He's because one like, of the five, five, arguably three best pitchers of all time. It's, it's not even fucking close. I, I like, and they screwed him over when they traded him yeah. because of, of like $10,000 difference in salary. So he had to win his 300th game as a member of the White Sox at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees. So he didn't get his 300th win with the Mets. We've had one pitcher ever do that. Oh, uh, no, no. No, yeah, yeah, we had uh, Tom Glavin won his 300 with the Mets. We've had one guy that hit his 500th home run with the Mets, and that was fucking, um, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield hit his 500th with the Mets. And now, Gary Sheffield was and now after fucking Tom Seaver gets diagnosed with dementia, like, all right, we're going to give him a statue he won't remember. 
Like, I, I, it's just, it goes again to show how fucking out of touch these clueless jerk off will pawns are. And to give credit to Brody Van Wagenen, he's bringing more in of the team history. He just hired John Franco and Al Leiter as to be front office advisors to the Mets. Al Leiter left his post with, uh, with the Yes Network, so he won't be doing Yankee games anymore. Oh, that stinks. Because he's great. He's yeah. much better than any of the other I mean, good for him. Yeah, it's great. I, I think it's a smart idea. They also hired, I couldn't believe this one, they hired Jessica Mendoza, who does the Monday or the Sunday night baseball, who she grew on me on commentary, but she's going to be an advisor as well. But to think that this guy that is literally your best pitcher ever, your best player ever, he has every fucking pitching stat you could possibly have as a Met, won three Cy Youngs as a Met, was an integral part of the 69 Mets, should have been retired as a Met, and you couldn't get the statue to him at City Field. Should have been there when it opened. If you're going to put statues there, this is my idea for a statue. Tom Seaver and his windup, Mike Piazza as a catcher as a statue. I guess my, my whole question is because if the Wilpons have money to buy a fucking Overwatch team, you don't have the money laying around. I'm sure it doesn't cost that fucking much. Not millions of dollars. 50000 150000 you pay $15 million for a fucking Overwatch team. Yeah, but that's $15 gonna... million! Dollars yeah. For a video game professional team! To be fair, though, that's going to produce revenue. <laughs> that's going to produce a lot of money because people are stupid. So I get that. <laughs> but again, they why couldn't they build this fucking Seaver statue when he was it's able to come? It's too late, dude. It sucks. It's just very unfortunate that a guy like Seaver, who, again, the best Met there's ever been, uh, one of the greatest baseball players in New York sports listen, history. Listen, and being relatively new to the fandom and like the history of the New York Mets, like I, I feel it. Yo, his numbers are—he retired with a 2.8 ERA. Wait, wait, they were talking about it on the fan not too long ago. I think Boomer said, "Like, uh, how many complete games does this fucking guy pitch?" It's crazy. I think his the, numbers are video so games. He has—he's one of two pitchers ever with over 200 career starts. That seven over 70 percent of his starts are listed as a quality start. The only other one is Clayton Kershaw. So think about that. You're talking Bob Gibson, Pedro Martinez, Randy, uh, Randy Johnson, uh, Satchel, Satchel Page. It's—it's it's insane. And only Tom Seaver and Clayton Kershaw have 70 percent of their. Starts starts go at least six innings and three earned runs or less that's crazy over 70 percent it's a video game and he would throw 40 he would throw 40 games a year and he'll get the statue finally it's a little too little too late as as far as i'm concerned but uh, anyway this was episode 43 of you watch i oh it's r kelly is this trapped in the closet yeah you should, should do uh, Weird Al's Trapped in the Drive-Thru. No, this is uh, this is Trapped in the Closet music to the interview he did this week. Oh, my God, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That interview was I was, was actually wild. at the bar last night. It flashed on the screen. R. Kelly released because someone paid his child support. Yeah. Who's that someone? Probably some producer. But, um, yeah, this was episode 43 of You Watch, I Listen. A uh, special thank you to the guys at the Hashtag Shots for Likes podcast, Lobo oh, Sound, Corner House Chronicles podcast, Robin Slim, and a big thank you to our guest today, Brian Keen. Uh, again, tremendous honor and privilege to speak with him. And, uh Look forward to going to see him this summer. I do like that's that, like okay, dude. I'm gonna cool. walk in. in. And be like, Can you sign this, yeah. please? Can you sign my ass and I'll get it tattooed? All right, guys. Episode 43. You watch. I listen. We'll see you next week. Later.